All right, let's get a uh, new week underway here on the Dave Ellswick Show, live from the studios for uh, our folks from Americans for Prosperity. Good to have you along for the ride. Big, big news today as the president of Mexico Inc. a brand new NAFTA deal. And uh, they're not. I think that the president said he wanted to call it something else, a Mexican-American trade or something like that. He said that NAFTA just had left a bad taste in everybody's mouth now. So he didn't want to do that. So I called in to the RNC, asked him if they had somebody could take a few moments and talk to us about what we can expect to see in this new trade agreement. And um, Mark Lauder got the, got the short end of all the straws, so he has to join us today. How are you doing today, Mark? I'm doing well, Dave. How are you? <laughs> I'm, do- I'm doing great. Hey, listen, real quickly, before we get to this, I don't know about you. You worked for Vice President Pence while he was governor. Are you not beyond ticked off by this book that is being written about the vice president, about how he is a a Christian uh, supremacist and all kinds of crap that they're saying. I talked about this last week. I was I was livid. I mean, it's just really it's just a it's just a piece of pure fiction, and uh, it, it's nothing more than just retelling of various stories throughout his uh, his career and service with a decidedly we hate Donald Trump and must hate Mike Pence uh, spin to it. And, and really, they do go to great pains of, of attacking a man for being a person of faith. Yes. And being a Christian. And, uh, and, and it's really, uh, it, you know, it, it's, it's offensive to so many people uh, that they can come up with nothing else to attack him for except that he believes. Yes. And I... With this Omarosa or whatever her name is, I, her 15 minutes of fame can't get over any sooner for me than it probably will. But the bottom line, her saying, yeah, you got to watch this guy. He says Jesus tells him to say things. You know, she might be surprised at how many of us feel that way. Well, the interesting thing is that Omarosa is actually an ordained minister and is married to an ordained <laughs> minister. And so wouldn't you think that he that you would, you know, feel the spirit or, or, or feel, uh, you know, your faith speaking through you? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'll tell you, Dave, and you and I know, we, we know this from, you know, for many, many years, you know, the vice president is a person of faith. He prays and he, he seeks guidance. But Ultimately, he understands that it's his job to make these decisions, and and sometimes he has to make some of the toughest decisions around. And and I can tell you that, uh, you know, there is no better man that I know of that I've had the ability to serve with uh, so closely uh, than Mike Pence. Well, I can't wait till he's the president number 46. That's just the way I feel about it. All in due time, (laughs) I'm sure. (laughs) All right. With that, something he's focused on. I know. I I understand that. But I'm just saying it, it. it amazes me the attacks continue on this president and anybody who rubs shoulders with him in any way is in the media in in their you know bullseyes are painted all over these people it's it's just that's crazy it really is well, i've never I seen anything like it i said it yesterday i was on uh, fox news sunday uh yesterday and i was asked a very similar question and i basically had said that anyone who worked for the president or is close to the president, investigators are giving uh, a legal colonoscopy to, but <laughs> Democrats are getting a Band-Aid and moved along their merry mm-hmm. way. 
Uh, it is truly a double standard. But the great thing is, is we saw it today. The president's not focused on any of that. He promised the American people he was going to renegotiate NAFTA and our horrible trade deals. And today he's making a huge announcement that we've got a deal in principle with Mexico. And yep. now it's time to get Canada on board and get this thing through. I got, I got to tell you, it's amazing what has happened. This president said that uh, he would renegotiate with these people. He's doing it, and it's it's exciting what we're seeing come out of these things. Can you kind of give us some uh, views of what are some of the things people should be watching coming out of this particular uh, new trade agreement we're going to see with Mexico? Well, a couple of the big things. I mean, one, it's going to help reduce tariffs and, and barriers on our agricultural products, uh, which is very important uh, for our ag community around the, around the country. But the biggest headline, I think, comes in manufacturing, because this is going to fundamentally reset our manufacturing sector uh, and put America back in a position of strength and leadership. Let's not forget that the U.S. had a trade surplus with Mexico the year before NAFTA went into effect of $1.6 billion, I believe. And we now have a hundreds of billions of dollar deficit with Mexico mm-hmm. because of things like NAFTA and primarily of NAFTA. So what this is going to do is it's actually going to redefine for trade perspectives that if you want that free reciprocal trade, in the automobile sectors, that 75%, 70, 75% of the car must actually come, the parts, from the United States or Mexico. Right. Or, you know, hopefully Canada will get on board. So you're going to stop importing all these cheap parts from China, putting them into a car in Mexico, and then sending them over here as a, as a North American-made car. The second thing is it's going to require 40 to 45% of the parts that go into these cars to come from workers who are making $16 an hour or more. And what that is going to do, it's going to a raise wages in Mexico, which is a good thing, but ultimately it's going to stop the flow of jobs out of our country to Mexico seeking cheap labor. So it's going to help our American manufacturers better compete. And those are the kinds of things that the president said he was going to do from day one. And we see it working right now. Well, you know, Perot was right at one in one point. That great sucking sound you hear is NAFTA. I think he was exactly he 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 saw what was coming, and uh, it happened. And now the president is going to turn it around, hopefully. Absolutely, and like I said, you know, we went from a one point six billion dollar trade surplus with Mexico to a seventy billion dollar trade deficit. That's a pretty big sucking that sound. That shows you what NAFTA did to our country, and you don't have to go far. You know it as well. All that manufacturing, all those good blue-collar jobs that used to be in little towns and, and in states across our country disappeared. Yeah. They used to say under Obama that the manufacturing jobs weren't coming back. This yeah. Is oh, yeah. Who shows that we can do it. Yeah, what was it he said? He, he couldn't uh, wait to see the magic wand that the president has? Well, he's seen it now, hasn't he? Absolutely. He why would we want to has. go back to something else? Yeah, I, I sure don't want to go back to those days. That's why I keep telling people, you got to vote Republican in, in November. You must, especially in the House, vote Republican. Or we're going to end up going back to a lot of those failed policies. I mean, hugely failed uh, policies that 
had nothing for us as far as a future goes. We now have a future, uh, a bright future ahead of us in this country as far as the economy goes. I uh, I was listening uh, just the other day out of the administration and, you know, the, getting back up to 4% growth the way we have, we might go a little higher than that. This is not going to just happen for just a few times. This is this is the new new, you know what I'm saying? Uh, this is what we can expect. You're absolutely right. We're seeing it with the stock market. We're seeing it with, with the economic gains. And we're also seeing it with with jobs. I mean, we've got the lowest unemployment rate going back, I believe, close to 50 years. We've got the lowest unemployment rate in history mm-hmm. for African-Americans, for and for uh uh, other for other uh, minority groups, women, I think we are not at a historic low yet. We're only at a sixty-eight year low, so we've still got some work to do, but we're getting there. Yeah. And what more? And we've got wages going up. That's the best part. When you have full employment and millions of jobs being created on top of that, employers are going to have to pay you more to either come join their new company or to stick with the company that you're currently at. That's a good thing for the American people's pocketbook. Well, I I just wish that the media would tell the American people what's happening. It's this is a, such a great economy, and it's like a a well kept secret. And then they keep attacking the president. And uh, today came out, it, it's not hurting him in in his numbers at all. American people still love the man. Absolutely. And I think they're just seeing through the noise and nonsense that's coming out of Washington, D.C. They can see and feel it, the economy, in in their own homes. They see it even when we talk about the studies of consumer confidence, manufacturing confidence, business confidence. It's all soaring at record high levels. So people don't need to be told every day. But when they turn on the TV and just see doom and gloom and palace intrigue stories and fake controversies, they're just tuning it out because they're like, things are going pretty well right now. But what we've got to do now is complete the deal and make sure they realize, like you said, you got to get out and vote to keep it going. Because yeah. the people who are running against us want nothing more than resistance and to turn back the clock to their failed policies from before. Well, Ark, I, I got to tell you, I've, I've got nothing more than a, you know, a, a really positive attitude about what this president's doing. I just hope that the American people are smart enough when they go to the voting booth in November that they understand that they, put, they wanted to put a man into the White House who was a businessman and could get this country going the right way as far as, as business went, and he has done that, and it only shows more positives uh, in the future and brighter and brighter future for American workers. Absolutely, and uh, and as the president likes to say, we're, that we're just getting started. <laughs> All right, I appreciate you for giving us some time. How do you think Canada? I'm I'm hearing that they might jump aboard as early as Friday. Uh, is that still the word that's flying around in in DC? Well, there's some there's some talks. In fact, uh, Canada was sending some of their trade representatives and their uh, economic advisors to uh, the White House uh, this afternoon, in fact. Really? To, uh, to start those discussions. You know they don't want to get left behind. Uh, we've got some very serious issues, even though you know, we're dear friends and neighbors and have been for, you know, for so long. But we've got some real issues when it comes to their dairy tariffs. And I'll tell you, one of the things that people haven't been talking about, usually when we hear about intellectual po- property issues and intellectual property theft, people think we're always talking about China. 
But there are some real issues with Canada as well that we've got to work through. Uh, but now that we've got the basic framework set, hopefully Canada can get on board quickly. All right. Appreciate you, Mark. I'll let you go. You have a great afternoon. You too, Dave. I'll right. talk to you. Bye-bye now. Mark uh, Lauder here on the Dave Ellswick Show from the RNC. I'd like to talk to Mark. He used to be the communications director for the vice president. I know him, know him doggone well, and I and I really know the vice president well, and I'm I'm really beyond here. And Russ, to tell you this, I'm beyond irritated about this book and how they attacked him because of his faith. Never in my life would I think we would uh, see uh, a person who is a sitting vice president or politicians running uh, for office that because of their faith, uh, they're now being attacked. Now, that just it just amazes me. That, that really does amaze me. If you're a person of no faith many times, now you, you, it's like you got an inside track on somebody who is a person of faith. Uh, don't forget about Sunny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. Their phone number is 982-7451. You want to save money on parts? Go with RD and Sunny's Auto Salvage. Not only does he have the parts at his salvage yard, but if there's the, the, the odd part that he doesn't have, he's hooked up to thousands of other salvage yards, and he can get the part from them for you within a day or two. And on top of that, he'll put the standard guarantees and warranties that he has on his par- parts from his, stock, uh, from his uh, uh, salvage yard on those parts as well. He has that much faith in these other businesses, and he'll take good care of you. So whether it's a transmission or a motor, a side mirror, or a front bumper, the folks at uh, Sunny's Auto Salvage can give you a hand. They are your number one choice for recycled auto parts. Give them a call. Find out how much money they can save you, 982-7451. Interesting things happening over the last couple of days. How about this? Lanny Davis, you know, that, that line scoundrel that is the you know attorney for Michael Cohen, the longtime Clinton confidant. Well, he's backpedaling now on the bombshell claims he made in recent weeks about Cohen's knowledge of President Trump's supposed awareness of Russian efforts to influence the 2016 presidential election. You'll remember that uh, Davis said, yeah, Cohen's got a lot more stuff he's going to talk to Mueller about. You know, he's going to tell him that the president met with the Russians up there at Trump Towers, blah, 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 puke. You know, that's what he was doing. And he's been a source on all these reports saying that Cohen had information that the president knew in advance about that June 2016 Trump Tower meeting that involved Donald Trump Jr. and Russian attorney. Davis also suggested that Cohen had, quote, direct knowledge, unquote, of Russia hacking into emails of Democratic power players. But now, you know, this is, see, this is the whole thing of what Giuliani was saying about the truth and the truth. You know, is the truth really the truth? Uh he went on to say uh, Trump's alleged knowledge of all this, uh, maybe not so good. Uh, the outlet, CNN, 
reported that Cohen was present for a conversation informing Trump of the Russians' offer to provide dirt on Hillary Clinton. Cohen witnessed witness Trump approved the meeting, CNN reported. The following day, the Post also reported that Cohen witnessed Trump Jr. informing his father about the meeting where they expected to receive information on Clinton. The Post did not confirm that Trump was told the information would come from the Russians. Trump, following the publication of the CNN report, fired back, quote, I did not know of the meeting with my son, Don Jr., Sounds uh, to me like someone is trying to make up stories in order to get himself out of an unrelated jam. Taxi cabs, maybe. He even retained Bill and Crooked Hillary's lawyer. Gee, I wonder if they helped him make the choice. Over the weekend, Davis started clarifying his claims. Quote, I should have been more clear (laughs) involving and including with you, that I could not independently confirm what happened. I regret my error. Yeah, I'm sure he does. Davis began walking back the allegations days earlier when during an interview with CNN's Anderson Cooper, he was asked whether there was evidence that Trump knew about the meetings before it happened. Davis said, no, there's not. But he didn't have any problem spewing his BS out over uh, the television and the news, even he, though he knew there was no evidence, it was hearsay crap. That's what it was. Just got to tell you what, don't believe a damn thing, Cohen or Davis or most of these Democrat operatives have to say. Hey, when we come back, we're going to talk about the, the those little socialists on the Democrat side. Wait till you hear about some of the background information that's turning up. Pretty interesting. But right now, let's get the latest news fresh from SRN. Find out what's going on in the world right now. Hey, don't forget that if you're really looking to ignite your career, get on your career ladder, start running up those rungs, best way you can do that is getting yourself uh, involved with PI Roofing. PI Roofing is growing, and they're growing by leaps and bounds. PI Roofing and Home Solutions expanding their operations department to better serve their customers as they grow. So they're saying, you want to come grow with them? Please do. PI Roofing and Home Solutions has career opportunities in their commercial roofing and service division, residential roofing and service division, as well as their home solutions division. So you can make a difference in your life and in the lives of others by growing with PI Roofing. Apply at piroofing.com or give them a call at 501-707-3551. That's piroofing.com or 501-707-3551. Joel Johnson, great guy. If you can get involved with his company, do so. You'll be glad that you did. All right, talking about another one of those socialist candidates uh, running for office now, and uh, she's out of New York. She's like, uh, you know, Cruz. That's what, you know, she's trying to get on that bandwagon. Says a Democratic socialist candidate for New York uh, Senate faces questions 
after reports emerged that she falsified her biography, including claims about being an immigrant and Jewish, while her previous work shows she was a Christian conservative advocate. Now, here's what's interesting about this. Anybody who lives in our day and time, what is it that you don't get that anybody can find out just about anything about you that they want to find out just by going out and getting on the Internet. If it's been on the Internet, it's there for everybody to see. Julia Salazar, a progressive Democrat affiliated with the Democrat Socialists of America, has been touted as the next Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, a young and hip socialist who would move the party further to the left. She also received an endorsement from the New York governor candidate, Cynthia Nixon. But Salazar came under fire last week after an expose in Tablet Magazine, which examined Salazar's claims about her biography. The candidate for state office previously told multiple outlets that she's an immigrant from Colombia and noted that her family immigrated to the U.S. when she was young. I guess she thought she could... Uh, Russ says she was an immigrant and, Jew- and Jewish since Warren could say that she's a Native American and nobody, uh, you know, on the, on the left uh, challenges her on it. When it's been proven beyond a shadow of a doubt, there's not a, drip, a drop of uh, Indian blood in the woman. Her father, she said, was Jewish, but the family had little contact with the American Jewish community after they arrived to our country. Quote, I immigrated to this country with my family when I was very little. In Colombia, my mom raised me as a single mother. She also said during one of her events on the campaign trail. And so uh, people are now starting to challenge all of this. Jason Burrell uh, says, Democratic Socialist Julia Salazar claims to be an immigrant, but she was born in Miami says that she's Jewish, but her entire family thinks they are Catholic. As a proud immigrant myself, I know how important it is to protect the rights of immigrants and ensure that everyone can fully participate in the life of New York State. So that's her campaign website and was reading that way just last month before it was recently chained to as a proud daughter of an immigrant father myself. According to Tablet, the candidate is not an immigrant. She was born in Miami, and her mother had U.S. citizenship. Her brother, Alex Salazar, confirmed to the magazine that both he and his sister were born in the United States. Salazar, despite being caught on camera saying she's an immigrant, pushed back against the expose, saying she, quote, made it crystal clear that I had been born in Miami. She blamed a campaign staffer for the error on her website. Her claims about being Jewish also now are under scrutiny. She claimed Jewish blood through her father, saying his Jewish ancestors were expelled to Latin America from medieval Spain. But her father's 2009 funeral service notes that the service was held in a Catholic church in Florida. There was nobody in our immediate family who was Jewish. My father was not Jewish. We were not raised Jewish, her brother said. That's Alex Salazar. He added that one of their father's brothers 
was a Jesuit priest. The magazine also obtained messages from her university years that shows Salazar claiming her mother's family was from Israel and describing herself as a descendant of Christian Israelis. The New York Senate candidate also once wrote that her grandfather moved from mandatory Palestine to Colombia 10 years before the state of Israel was founded. The uh, tablet reports that some of her acquaintances said that Salazar had undergone a conversion to conservative Judaism in just two months, though such a process could take much longer. Salazar called the questioning of her religion, quote, a long history of bigoted policing of the identity of Jewish people of color, particularly people with Jewish heritage or Jews who converted. I'm sad to say that brought into my campaign. The candidate's progressive credentials were also called into question after revelations that she was actually a conservative Christian activist on campus who worked on pro-Israel and pro-life initiatives. In 2012, she appeared on Glenn Beck's show claiming there are probably several professors at the Columbia University who are using the classroom as their podium to spread lies about the state of Israel to delegitimize the state of Israel and to spread propaganda to Columbia students. The uh, candidate has since come out against the Jewish state, supported organizations that campaigned for boycott, disinvestments, and sanctions against Israel. In 2012 and 13, she was the president of Columbia Right to Life, the campus's top anti-abortion group. Her now-deleted social media posts often alluded to her Christian faith. Salazar didn't address any of these changes in her political view. So just goes to show you better do a lot of checking on candidates that uh, you get behind because what they say they are may not be what they are any way, shape, or form. Now things are going to get more dense and uh, and uh, tense over in uh, you know the Gulf of Hormuz and some other areas over there. Is uh, Iran is saying now it has control of the Gulf and Strait of Hormuz as well. Uh, a major ship. Uh, it's a major shipping route, as you know, located between Oman and Iran, where nearly one third of the world's sea traded oil passes through daily. And it can become and may become a flashpoint after a top Iranian Navy general said today that the country has taken full control of the Strait of Hormuz. Now, saying that you have done this, you know, this is what's interesting, Russ. They say they have, uh, but is it the seventh fleet that's in the in the Gulf of Hormuz? I can't remember. I'm not sure which one it is over there, but I've heard that they've told the U.S., Stay out. Yeah, that's going to be real interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I just got to tell you, it, it makes me laugh. Uh, the head of the Navy, Iran's Revolutionary Guards General Tang Siri, said that Iran had full control of both the Persian Gulf itself and the Strait of Hormuz that leads into it. That's according to Reuters. The strait, which at its narrowest point is 21 miles wide, has shipping lanes that are 
two miles wide in each direction and is the only sea passage from many of the world's largest oil producers to the Indian Ocean. It's a very contentious area, retired Lieutenant Colonel Bob McGinnis told Fox News, uh, and he was telling this to Neil Cavuto. The Strait of Hormuz is where most of the oil from Saudi Arabia passes through, according to the U.S. Energy Information Administration. The Saudis have constructed pipelines to bypass the strait, but a majority of crude oil is shipped by sea, meaning that any action by Iran to halt shipping may impact consumers across the world. Quote, the blockage of the Strait of Hormuz, even temporarily, could lead to substantial increases in total energy reports, said the agency back in 2012. At the beginning of August, Iran began a large-scale exercise in the Strait of Hormuz involving more than 50 small boats practicing swarming operations that could potentially shut down the vital waterway if ever deployed for real. The drill came after President Trump pulled the U.S. out of a landmark nuclear accord with Iran and leaders of both countries exchanged fiery rhetoric. The country routinely operates small boats in the Strait of Hormuz. You know about this because we've had run-ins over there with them. Uh, When Obama was president, remember, they'd drive real close to our battleships and things, and then we'd run them off. Uh, And the surrounding area has often threatened to shut down the highly traveled waterway. On Monday, uh, today, it showed that conditions appeared to be normal with heavy maritime traffic through the strait. In recent weeks, Iranian President Hassan Rouhani renewed the threat, saying that if sanctions threatened Iran's crude oil exports, the rest of the Middle East exports would be threatened as well. They're causing problems once again, as predicted in the Strait of Hormuz, said McGinnis. This is something that all of us have grown accustomed to. I mean, this is not anything new. But if Iran were to follow through with any bluster to try to close down the vital shipping channel, a potential U.S. response would be swift. The U.S. and our partners provide and promote security and stability in the region on a daily uh, basis, said Lieutenant Clo Morgan, U.S. Naval Forces Central Command spokesperson. Together, we stand ready to ensure the freedom of navigation and the free flow of commerce wherever international law allows. Notice international law. General Joseph Vodal, head of U.S. Central Command, said earlier this month that Iran was showcasing its military capabilities and has the ability to plant mines and explosive boats in the waterways, as well as use missiles and radar along the coast. He stressed the U.S. and allies routinely train for that possibility and are prepared to ensure that freedom of navigation and commerce continues in those waters. Why why do we love it that we have such a powerful military? Oh, yeah, we can tell people like Iran to pound sand. Uh, Fox News security analyst Waleed Fares told Fox News Networks and Varnity and Company that the Iranians can damage the international passage if they want, but that the U.S. can easily intercept them, stop them, and uh, damage, re-destroy their own uh, capacity. It's kind of a brinkmanship capacity of gaming with this, he said. I think the United States is very much attentive to what they're doing and will respond if the Iranians cross 
any of the major red lines. President Obama's former Navy Navy security advisor, Jim Jones, a four-star general, said in an interview earlier this month, the Iranian Navy should be wiped out. Now, this is an Obama guy. They should wipe them out if any action is taken to block maritime traffic. I personally would like to see if they ever did something in the Strait of Hormuz. I would like to see their Navy just disappear. And we could make that happen. All right. And it wouldn't be a magic trick. Okay. Uh, Jones, who served as National Security Advisor for Obama 09 and 10, also told the National that Iran's government is an existential threat to the region. Iran has been active in Syria, backing the government of President Assad, while also stoking violence in the southern part of the country and triggering military counterattacks from Israel. The U.S. and Saudi Arabia have repeatedly condemned Iran for providing missiles to Yemeni Houthi rebels who have fired toward Riyadh. The uh, Iranian officials recently threatened to block the waterway in retaliation for any hostile action by the U.S. uh, amid President Trump's remarks in July, which were prompted by the Iranian President Rouhani, saying the U.S. risks the mother of all wars with Iran. You know, you might want to be very careful about what you wish for. Didn't your parents ever tell you that? Probably not. Trump called for Rouhani to stop the rhetoric or, in caps lock, quote, suffer the consequences the life of a like of which few throughout history have ever suffered before. We are no longer a country that will stand for your demented words of violence and death. Be cautious. So just uh, one of those stories and one of those things that you want to keep your eyes on, okay? Got to keep your eyes on that kind of stuff. All right, break. Then we'll come back. We'll finish up this hour. Next hour, Jan Morgan, Second Amendment uh, defender, will be in the studio with us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, uh, back on the Dave Ellswick Show. About five minutes until 3 o'clock. During the 3 o'clock hour, Jan Morgan will be here. Well, She's already here. She's sitting right across from me right now. She brought me a really nice hat. I thank her very much for the inaugural hat that she brought me from Donald Trump's uh, inauguration. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I had I had Mark Lauder on just a minute ago. He was the former communications manager for Vice President Pence. And I'm sure that last week you saw the attacks already starting on Pence now because of his uh, faith-based uh, life that he lives Right. And, and I know I know Mike really well. We work mm-hmm. together at WIBC in he's Indianapolis. A great guy. Yes, he is. He's a wonderful man. He believes in in what he believes in. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, Omarosa made the statement. Yeah, you got to watch him. He's really religious. He thinks Jesus talks to him. <laughs> and I and Mark and I are talking right. And then Mark told me something I didn't know about Omarosa. Did you know that she's a ordained minister? No. And that her husband is an ordained minister? A minister of what, though? Yeah, that's a good I mean, question. Satanism, yeah. I guess. I mean, was she here for the when they brought in the statue to the front of the Capitol? I don't know. Anyway. I, I don't know, but she she's a frightening character. She's scary. Uh, she and Bernie Sanders, what a team that would make. <laughs> you know? Uh, I think we should have her and Cortez. <laughs> that would be even better. <laughs> Just, that's a, She's a disaster. I, I you know. Uh, but who knows? Who would have thought that Bernie Sanders would have gotten as far as he did? You know, when you're being an sure, open, I am, open socialist. I'm openly. scared to death about that. And you know, it scares me when I start seeing polling numbers that say 
72% of Democrats like socialism. Exactly. But you know what scares me even more? 37% of Republicans. Although Mm -hmm. that doesn't surprise me because I see what the Republican Party does at times. Exactly. Not the Republican Party. Let's be specific. The the, the people who say they're Republican who are not really Republicans. The Republican Party is very clear about what it stands for. And socialism is not in the platform. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, that's true. Problem is, is that's not the way they typically vote, even right. even on the national level. Right. I mean, it is wh- frightening. But we're talking about we've had decades of brainwashing. Oh, yeah. of our kids, and that's the reason we are where we are today. I have started. It's been a constant. Reggie, I tell you, it's been a constant drumbeat of mine. Get your kids mm-hmm. out of the public school system. Mm-hmm. And why are parents allowing the public school systems because they're to busy. teach the Parents crap? are busy. They're working. Just today, in this day and time, it takes both people working. They're tired when they get home. They've got to run kids to basketball and baseball and football and cheerleading and dance classes. And then it's get the homework after that. Yeah, and then after stop that, stop running them. Yeah, you're right. Be a parent. They're, they're not. They're not able. They're not taking the time to, to find out what are their kids being taught in their yeah, schools. Yeah, they better. Even in the textbooks. Even in the textbooks, yeah. uh, there's been a lot of wrong information already brought out. Oh, sure. So, yeah. And kids are not taught the Constitution nope. anymore. And yep. one of the solutions, you know, in, in my utopia, uh, if I were president of the United States, uh, one of the I, things I, I would I were, like to— If I were king, that's what I always That's what you do. If I were king, yeah, if I were the king, <laughs> I would say, you know, of course, we will never have a king in a constitutional republic. No, we can't. But I would start kids in kindergarten with an age-appropriate lesson on the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Good idea. And every age, every grade level, an age-appropriate part of the curriculum— devoted to it and dedicated to it so that by the time our kids graduate from high school they are so well versed on the constitution and bill of rights and they are so sensitive to what trampling the constitution and bill of rights is that they would not even consider any kind of legislation or supporting any politician who would support legislation that could not pass constitutional muster it was scary janet was that way when i was in school what back you're in, saying? Back in the in the dark ages. Uh, yeah. When, when yeah. did you graduate? When, when I seventy one. I was eighty one. Yeah. So wow. it changed. It started changing. I qualify for the senior 70s. care plan. What does that mean? You qualify for? You're ten years older than me. <laughs> so. All right. Let's take a break. Let's get to the news. When we come back, Jan Morgan for the hour here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. We move into uh, the three o'clock hour on a Monday here on the Dave Ellswick Show, and we got lucky, man. We got Jan Morgan here. She's here hey. to talk. She's ready to talk about Second Amendment with us today. Luck has nothing to do with oh, it. Yeah, there's some luck involved. I know Reggie. Oh, there you go. Well, yeah. I, Reggie, hey, I'll come on anytime. Okay, anytime. Yeah, Reggie sent me a note and says, "Hey, you know, Jan wants to come on." I said, "Bring her on, yeah, man. She's let's a do welcome this. anytime." Absolutely. So on, on you come. Hey, uh, don't forget coming up next hour we got Conduit News on, and then at five o'clock, Robert Steinbach will be here in studio. And we'll be talking about uh, the First Amendment with him. We'll be talking about freedom of speech, something that I really, really believe as strongly in as I do about the Second Amendment. Second Amendment, you need that to protect what it got in the First Amendment. Keep, I, I keep believe strongly in all the rights. Yeah, I believe well, strongly I do Constitution, too. Bill of Rights, yeah. all of them. Are it's critical. all important. But I'm just saying, if I have to pick two, one and two are going to be my two favorite mm-hmm. uh, amendments. Although fourth, it's pretty close to. But you need <laughs> two. To protect all That's the rest. That's exactly Without right. Number two, you can't. You have no way to defend the rest. A- absolutely. Hey, what do you think about some of the stuff that's still going on here in the state of Arkansas? Uh, tomorrow, I'm going to have on a former uh, sheriff 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going to be talking about this guy that got busted in Greenbrier. Right. Okay. Yes. And I've got the audio from the from the, the camera. I've actually seen the video. You've, You've seen, seen that? The, have you, yeah, have you I not have. Seen it? I have. I'm just pulling the the audio off the mm-hmm. video and let people hear it. Right. And it just drives me crazy when the, this this cop says to the guy, you know, you know, if 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 you're that dumb, I don't think you should have a gun. Yeah, there you know, were, um, it, it was that whole what transpired. And I I called the sheriff. I actually talked to the sheriff. Yeah. Um, not long after that incident happened to make sure that I heard both sides of the story. And and there were there were wrong things that happened on both sides yeah. of that. Uh, but yes, the, and, and, the, and also the statement from one, I don't know if it was the sheriff or the officer, I don't remember which one of them said it, but it's you have to have a concealed permit for that gun that's in your car. That, was, have have, that you, was the original officer. Yes, and you do yeah. not have to have a license. Have, had so it, can we clarify it, he this? He had it in his, doesn't in his matter. pants is what he doesn't said. It doesn't matter. In yeah. the state of Arkansas, folks, listen, I'm an Arkansas State Police certified concealed handgun license instructor. Okay. okay. So in the state of Arkansas, your car is legally considered an extension of your home. You can carry open in your car. You can carry concealed. You can carry it on you, loaded, unloaded. It's, it's like your home. You don't have to have a permission slip from the government to carry so you know people and i and people are still confused about that and i I hate it you know we've had four years of republican leadership in this state and i wish we could get all this ironed out not only so that the people know but so that the prosecuting attorneys in this state know and the law enforcement agencies know so that we don't have to keep going through this let's just clarify everything but hey the attorney general did stand up with last month after senator linda collins smith Mm -hmm. asked her months ago please tell us you know where is it in the criminal statute arkansas statute where does it say that you have to have a license to carry conceal or that you'll be penalized and so our attorney general did have to admit that yes we are a constitutional carry state and there is no penalty for carrying concealed without a license so if i don't get to say anything else on the show today i'm glad i get to put that out there because that's the truth you do not have to have a license to carry in the state of arkansas now here's the key why isn't something printed up and at uh you know i don't know put it over where you go get your license or whatever that mm-hmm. has those specific things written on it so that everybody knows because Honestly, anytime you get politicians involved, you're looking at money. And the bottom line here is money for Arkansas State Police. And I am pro-law enforcement. I love the police. I am pro-law enforcement. But, you know, my thought is, and I I told the, the state troopers when I was running for governor, I was like, look, I'm not trying to do anything about your retirement fund. But we need to be honest with the people and let them know that they don't have to have a license to carry in this state. And what I told the governor when I met with with the governor, I said, look, you know, because his, his concern was, well, you know, if we get rid of the uh, uh, if we say that we're a constitutional carry state, then Arkansas State Police won't have that money. They depend on that for their retirement fund. And I said, sir, with all due respect, I would like for Arkansas State Police to get their money off the backs of criminals, not law-abiding citizens. Thank you. But, but listen, here's the good news. There are still a lot of people who are going to get a license to carry. Why? I have a license to carry. Other and states. it irks me. Yes, it irks me to have to do that because I'm a Second Amendment advocate. But I travel to other states, and in order to carry in states that are not constitutional carry, I need that license. Also, if you buy firearms, have you ever bought a gun? Oh, yeah, okay. I've got several. So you know it makes it a lot easier if you have that concealed license. Yeah. You don't have to go through the background check. That's you right. just go in any gun store, you slap it down on the counter and say, I want this, 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 and this. Mm-hmm. Oh, and by the way, for the people that didn't know this, because I found out there are a lot of people who don't know this, if you're going to buy more than one gun at a time and you don't want 
to go to the Department of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms so that that gun is registered in your name with the state government and the United States government, then you only buy one firearm at a time. Because when you buy three or four, I'm a federal firearms licensee. Okay. I have to. I'm required by law to turn in a multiple purchases form to ATF to let them know that this person came in and bought four or five firearms. Okay. They're dangerous. Yeah, because they're going, oh, why is this person buying? See, to me, that's normal. It's normal yeah. for me to walk into a gun store and buy three or four firearms, especially if my husband gives me the credit card. There you go. Yeah, but if not, you know, that's something you want to think about because once they're all delivered, then ATF, we have to send those. Also, something else I found out, Dave, that people may not know, and, and I say people may not know because I didn't know it, and I'm pretty up on the gun stuff. Right. I found out that we have a gun registry in America. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you are a federal firearms licensee, which I am. Right. Let's say I decide to go out of business. Just say I don't want to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't get to keep all those books, all those books that we've kept for all those years of everybody that you, where you write the type of firearm they purchased, the registration number, et cetera, et cetera. All that information. So going to You ATF? have to turn it back into ATF. Yes. Every FFL has to turn all that back into ATF. And, and I asked them about this. I said, wait a minute. So we have, what are you going to do with it? You're going to put it in a database. And a guy with ATF here in Little Rock said, well, yeah, it's going to be entered into a database. And I said, so we have a gun registry in America. When did that happen? Was Did I miss that somewhere along the way? Yeah, was there a law it? passed? When or is that just a policy of ATF? Yeah. That's something that I would like to check into. And I'm, I'm going to one of these days when I get time. Yeah. <laughs> so. And you don't have much of that. I don't. I've been very busy. Yeah. Already back on Fox again. Ventured into CNN. Uh, the you know enemy territory yes, for me. I, and I, I had, did you see that? I, yes, I had the back and forth that you, you did. That went oh, all I, over. Salem. They, they actually did let me talk. You know, I got a sentence out here and a sentence out yeah. there. Yeah, it was. Yeah, but you know, I called a friend of mine with NRA TV when a when a producer from CNN called me and said, "Are you under contract with Fox?" And I said, "Oh no," and he said, "Well, I'd really like for you to be on to debate this person." And I called a friend of mine with NRA TV and, that has a show, and I said, you know, should I do this? I just hate going on over there. And CNN's he said, not going to let you have a true debate I know, but he said, Jan, you, we have to go there. We all hate going over there, but we have to because we may be the only voice of truth that people ever hear who right. watch that network. And I said, but what if they don't ever let me talk? And he said, well, they won't let you talk much. And he was just about right. Yeah. It's sentence here and a sentence there. So Not they, like your show. That, uh, that guy was, uh, what was a he was over. Was a, he, he was at the Vegas shooting, right? He, he was. He says he's a victim of the Vegas shooting, although he actually wasn't hit. And of course, ironically, he's a lawyer, uh, and he, he has become. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yes, he, he has become. Quite, he's a criminal defense lawyer, oh, and he has boy. become quite famous, being the victim of the Las Vegas massacre. So you know, they they set that whole interview up where I couldn't be my normally aggressive self, which right. was pretty aggressive, uh-huh. by the whole setting him up and letting him talk first and, and talking about how horrible it was that night with all yeah, these bullets PTSD, flying and right? yeah, and it's just terrible. And and then they turn to me and say, "So how can you dare defend all these people being able to just?" make guns out of plastic off of their computers (laughs) i loved it though i loved it yeah the 3d gun thing is still the 3d printing thing is still going on they were talking about that on national news today they're dragging it out they are dragging it out but the thing is we already have laws to prevent people from having entirely plastic guns and you tried to bring that out and they tried to shut you up from it because because that's a truth that (laughs) people didn't need to hear we already you know i mean if i were look if i were going to be a mass killer the last thing I would do is print a gun out of plastic. Uh, yeah, you're you know, right. I want something out of metal that's gonna that's gonna hold up. And you can you can build your own metal firearms, 
And you do not have to have a serial number on it as long as you build it for your own personal use. That's correct. You don't transfer it to another family member. You don't sell it. It's, I mean, it's yours. Once you decide to do something other than keep it for your own personal use, yes, you have to get a serial number on it. So that's already there. That, But the Democrats, I think, were shocked to find out that you can actually make guns in America and they don't have to be registered. They didn't have any idea. <laughs> yeah. I, I, like I tried them. to tell them on CNN, but they didn't want to hear that either. I like when you scare them like that. They were so scared. It was so bad. The guy was losing the debate so bad because all of his arguments, which is what usually comes from the left regarding the firearms issue, they were emotion-based. Sure. And, of course, Always. my arguments are fact-based. Yeah. And so she saw, the anchor saw that he was doing so poorly that she decided to take me on. Yeah, so she did two jump against into one. it. Yeah. Yeah, she was. It was very obvious that mm-hmm. it was a tilted interview and that's against okay. you. Hey, I, I, I could do two against one if she would just let me say my part when it was my turn. But but every time I started to answer a question, she would jump all over me and start talking over me. Well, I, For I'm, example, she said, "So what uh-huh. is your solution? What is your solution, yes. Damashi? What is your solution?" I said, "I have a solution. Number one, eliminate gun-free zones. Number two, we need to start talking about that thing that nobody wants to talk about, which is the mental illness aspect of." Mass shootings. Every single person. That's why you I brought you in today. Almost every single mass shooting, not only in America, but in, around the world, the shooter was either on or coming off of psychotropic drugs. Mm-hmm. That's something we've got to talk about. And I know people don't want to have that conversation. And if you start really looking at the information and how many young kids were putting on those drugs in school, rather than disciplining the kids, rather than teaching them how to behave in class, you know, we've got teachers saying this kid, in, in order to stay in my class, they've got to be on this drugs. And then, you know, I, I don't know if you've seen the article, but even the science community is looking at this going, why are we putting two-year-olds on antidepressants? Well, what course. does a two-year-old have yeah. to be depressed about? I mean, we've got to start looking about at that and talking about it. Until we do, I don't want to talk about anything else related to mass shootings. You know, it may be that the kid is depressed because mommy and daddy don't know whether he's a boy or a girl. Could be. I'm just yeah, but saying. you heard about that? They're called maybes. Yeah. Now, that's, that's yes. the end thing. You have a baby, but you don't do the birth certificate. You don't name the sex because maybe – it's going to be a boy or maybe it's going to be a girl and it will decide when it's ready yeah have you ever had that that discussion i mean look i got eight kids all right and all the time that i've been in the delivery room when the child was delivered the only thing i have never heard is i don't know what that is (laughs) i actually knew what mine was before she was born yeah that's what i was like i didn't know this all right (laughs) i just kind of already had her name it's crazy stuff it's it's it is it's it's scary they call me a flat earther. Red flag laws are scary, too, And Dave. I want to talk about okay. that. Let's get Good. to it when we come back. we okay. got to get a break in. Jan Morgan is our special guest. It's always a pleasure to have her here. She is very knowledgeable about the gun laws of this country and this state. Uh, hey, Russ, do, do we, can you look and see if you can find the lady from the state police who, unbeknownst to herself, said on our said in front of the committee that yes the money they were getting from concealed carry was taking care of their their retirement when we had her on let's see if we can get that all right got a lot more coming your way here on the dave ellswick show all right so we're going to talk about red flag laws uh, he, it's something that's been talked about for the last couple of years we've been hearing mm-hmm. this echo out there and what it is is that we talk about mental health and they said, how do we keep the guns out of the hands of crazy people? That's kind of the way that it's put out there. Mm-hmm. And they say, well, if the family would go and say he shouldn't have a gun, we should be able to take away his guns and things of that nature. And that makes me exceedingly nervous whenever you give the court that much power. 
It so, makes me crazy. So, uh, mm-hmm. it, we're not in America anymore. Yeah. You know, I, I said on, on my Facebook page when I, that we first started looking at this uh, after the newspaper, the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, did their big expose on the whole gun. They call it gun violence. I, I hate that term because um, violence is violence. But uh, after that expose, then they started pushing the red flag again, red flag law. And uh, Governor Hutchinson said, well, you know, we may be willing to consider it. And, uh, of course, that made me go nuts because we shouldn't be considering it uh, because we have Republican-controlled House, Senate, and mm-hmm. a Republican in our governor's seat. And so we should be saying no uh, because the Republican Party is all about supporting a constitutional republic. And we have a Bill of Rights and a red flag law. The red flag law Unless you completely change it from the way it has been looked at in every state, it, it violates the Second Amendment, it violates the Fourth Amendment, and it violates the Fifth Amendment. And some people will argue it violates more amendments. But I don't know about you, but I have people in my own family who were Obama supporters who would who would be glad to go say that I'm crazy. I mean, yeah. seriously. You, you, there, are, there are so many. It, it makes it too easy. You, you completely lose due process. You lose due process. That's correct. In a secret meeting, a couple of family members can go to a judge and tell the judge you're violent. You, you, you make me nervous. Uh, you, you're, you're crazy, and we need to confiscate those guns. And then the, the judge can issue an order to confiscate your firearms. All right. They confiscate your firearms, and in 21 days, you can appeal, and you can go fight this, of course, if you have the money to hire a lawyer and do this. And then maybe you have to go through a psychiatric evaluation for a psychologist to determine whether or not you're mentally stable. So here we go. You are guilty until proven innocent. And who gets to decide what mental illness is these days? Is it, is it going to be a judge? Is it an anti-gun radical psychologist who would really think that America's better off without guns? So she's going to drag you through a whole process mm-hmm. of, I need to cure you. You've, you seem to have some anger issues and a little bit of rage. <laughs> so, you know, they I don't just, want to talk to me. It for is a very, very dangerous. You know, you, you, oh, yeah, <laughs> me either. Uh, you saw me in House Judiciary. They would probably yeah. come and come and confiscate my guns after I, that blistering admonishment. But I that's what we need. We need, House Judiciary. we need you to get in front of them and they have to remove misbehaving you from politicians the politicians make me crazy, Dave. <laughs> misbehaving politicians. They're the worst, you know, and, and especially misbehaving Republicans because, you know, we're supposed to be the good guys. You know, when be. we tell people when we run on one platform, we, sh- we should we should also govern and legislate on that same platform. We should we should be honest. And so, yeah. Speaking of that, I hope that we get some legislation passed so we can recall in the state. Yeah. So we can recall. You know, Alan bad Clark said, State Senator Alan Clark said that we need mm-hmm. that kind of legislation. We do. We do. Well, sure. You know, sometimes you have buyer's remorse. Mm-hmm. I mean, you should be. Able, That's right. You should be able to take it back to the store. That's right. So, red want flag my money law, back. Red flag law, it, it, it's not, you know, initially on my Facebook page, I said, this is a slippery slope. We don't need to go down. And then one of my Facebook friends corrected me, and he said, this is not a slippery slope, Jan. This is a direct hit. And he was right. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go edit that. Thank you for correcting me. Uh, because it's not a slippery slope. It is a direct hit on our Constitution and Bill of Rights. And if the people of this state fall for that, you know, we've got to stop making legislative decisions under emotional circumstances you know and every time there's a mass shooting you notice that's when moms demand action bloomberg's mm-hmm. moms demand action they kick show in, up in their red shirts in every state they show up in their red shirts they get pictures with the governor in our yeah. state you know but no they, they they're they're good at what they do they know they've got a short window of opportunity people are crying they're sad about all these lives lost and so we need to trample the constitution but you know one of our one of our founding fathers said this and i love it and it's true then and it's still true today. And he said, those who are willing to give up liberty for the sake of security deserve neither Benjamin and will Franklin. lose both. Thank you.
Benjamin Franklin. Yeah. That's right. Yes. So and I it's quote true. that a lot. It's true. Well, and it, it is. You know, our founders were amazing men. Where are those men today? There's their, one. I grave, think you're one. And their Reggie's one. Spinning. Reggie Cowan's one. They're in their grave spinning. In if their I was grave, a guy, I would be one. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, people say, where are you, Jan? I said, well, here's the left. Here's the right. You know, here's the NRA. And then here's Jan Morgan way over here on the far right with the founding fathers. That's where I am. That pretty much tells you what I stand for. All the things that our country was built on, all of those great, wonderful things, the Constitution, Bill of Rights. We stick with that. Freedom. We stick, stick with free market enterprise and liberty. We're going to be in good shape in America. You know, I get asked all the time about my car. What is your of, car? I'm not. Because, well, I just I got an Acadia, but it's my license plate that they're asking me about. Uh, what is that? Live free. Live free. I like that. It's almost like the New Hampshire yeah. motto. You know what my license plate says on my Harley Davidson motorcycle? What? Two A chick. <laughs> it does. It does. Two A chick. Yeah. I, I, I sent off to the state of Arkansas. I said, "Can I have this license plate?" And they gave it to me. I was surprised. Cool. Like we don't do gun stuff, but they probably weren't paying they attention. They didn't even know what it was. They probably weren't. Yeah, but you can't you can't mistake it because when I ride my Harley, I've also open carry, open carry my H and K VP nine right here on my hip. Very good. All through Arkansas. And I keep thinking, you know, these people that say they're having trouble with law enforcement, I keep thinking, where are these guys? I'm not having this kind of trouble. Yeah. I think it's because I know my rights, you know. And if I see a law enforcement officer, I'll make a point of going up to him and say, hi, how are you doing? Let's talk about that. Okay. And I want to refer back to that Greenbrier case. Okay. About knowing your rights. I mean, and knowing what to do and not to do on a traffic stop because yeah, the, don't the gun rack owner gun. don't rack the slide on the That's gun. That's not it's, a good. He actually idea. could have been shot. Yes, over that. he could have. All right, let's lucky. take a break. We got news, then we got more of Jan Morgan. It's all happening right here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Be back with you in a few moments. Jan, you know what I'm I'm planning on doing next year that I haven't done in four ask. years. In four years. In four Ooh. years. Four years. Ago, You're going to come to the gun cave and take my class. I could do that, you but no, I'm going to, January. I'm going to go out to Vegas, go to the Shot Show, and broadcast from it again. Uh, you know what? Yeah, I would love to go to the Shot Show, but I can't go because they disarm people at the door. Isn't that silly? It is because the NRA convention. I went to the NRA convention in Indianapolis yeah. a few years ago. Everybody, they let everybody around. carry. Yeah, they just have a sign on the door that says "All firearms must remain holstered." Uh-huh. And see, Dave, I'm going to try to talk you out of this because here's the problem: when I go on Fox News or CNN and I'm trying to debate an anti-gun radical, uh-huh. what am I going to say the first time they get smart enough to say, "Well, Jan, your people don't even trust your own people with guns at your own events." So why should we trust you and want you carrying guns in public places, in restaurants? And what am I going to say to that, Dave? Well, I typically don't go to restaurants. So I don't let people pack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but my point I mean, is I understand that it's the trust is. issue. If we can't, if we aren't educated enough to handle guns safely at our own events like SHOT Show, then why should anti-gun people who have irrational fears about firearms be able to trust us carrying guns in public places where they are? That's my point. And it, it flies in the face of everything that I'm fighting for. So I need people like you and all gun owners to say, no, I'm not going to go to SHOT Show unless if enough of us call them and say, look, is it true you're going to disarm people at the door or – are you going to put it in a venue where we can carry it? Because the NRA does. Is is that the problem for them since they're in Vegas that they they have those Does types of Does it matter? Hold it somewhere else. Well, I'm no, not saying. No, it shouldn't be in Vegas. Can, but Vegas, it. I mean, Vegas is the home of Front Sight Firearms Institute, one of the most amazing yeah. training facilities Great in America. Place. Yeah. 
no you can i think you can even open carry in vegas so i'm not i don't think that that there's an anti-gun issue there i think it's just the venues that they're choosing and they need to they need to find a place that allows people to carry and they need to say the nra does it they have never had people shot at nra conventions so you know what's your problem yeah you know if you've got one shot off Mm -hmm. you'd look like a swiss piece of swiss cheese after it was all over with there are so many people with guns at the NRA places. Right. I've been there. Can, yeah, I open carry at the NRA convention. Do you? I did. I had a little uh, SIG P238, 380. Mm-hmm. Actually, the same one I'm carrying in my notebook today, which I'm not going to pull it out, but just so you know, it's just like a regular notebook, but it's yep. actually a, a holster. Good. This is probably a gun-free zone. But anyway, um, yeah, I carried it on, on my ankle. And, she and said it doesn't mean it's true. That's <laughs> all right. <laughs> there you go. Well, you never can tell who might show up. That's yeah, true. Might have well, to protect I agree. Us have to protect us but yeah so i that's just it's a that's a personal thing with me i just if it's i don't even put a booth in the gun shows in arkansas if they disarm people so in hot springs my own gun show you know my own in my own hometown we're the only indoor shooting range i have not had a booth there in years because they disarm people at the door well, you told know carry don't you carry mm-hmm. when he does his gun shows you can carry there yeah i i did a gun show in benton in the, yeah, the benton civic center yeah and i yeah. was able to carry there yep so yeah he's a he's a Second Amendment kind of guy. Well, sure. I love that guy. Sure. And and he does a great job. But so on the red flag, mm-hmm. you're saying that people should call the governor and just say, we're not even going to consider this. Not only the governor, I want people to call their legislators. Okay. And it doesn't matter whether you're a Democrat or Republican, because the Second Amendment is not partisan. This transcends party lines, Dave. It doesn't matter what you are. Uh, you should believe that the people have a right to keep and bear arms, period. You know, if you don't like guns and you don't want guns, that's fine. But and, and I don't have a problem with people that don't like guns yeah. and don't want to have guns. I only have a problem with them if they start telling me that they don't want me to have them that's either. That's right. Yeah, because with my gun, I'm going to save you and your silly self in a public place because some crazy guy comes in and decides he's going to take everybody out. So, you know. Uh, Perfect example. Yeah. Saturday. Salt bowl. Right. Somebody knocks over, you know, some kids show up, they're, they're causing problems. Mm-hmm. Somebody knocks over some barricades. You get down in those tunnels and, it, you know, the metal hits the ground. Somebody says, gun! And right. everybody says, gun! And now, the people were, who yelled th- gun should have been arrested yeah, and charged. 38,000 people mm-hmm. at War Memorial Stadium, and that place cleared out. And right. people got hurt as it cleared yeah, out because clear they out. got completely panicked. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's unfortunate. And uh, the, the problem is whoever, whoever yelled gun should be held accountable for that. Whoever had the taser should yeah. be uh, arrested. Exactly. And they're not arrested right now. But just while we're on the whole subject of guns in public places, there's something I want to clarify. I, I talk to people about this in my classes as well. Uh, just because a privately owned business has a sign on the door that says guns prohibited doesn't mean it's illegal for you to carry a gun in that business. Okay. okay. It means it's against that po- property owner's policy. So a lot of people are still concealed carrying and you're not violating the law if you can still carry in a place that, as long as it's not a federal building or a state, you know, a government building, mm-hmm. um, you're not. The only way you could actually get charged with a crime is if you get caught concealed carrying, and the property owner or manager says, "I want you to leave. You need to leave." And if you refuse to leave, then you then can. you could be charged with criminal trespass. That's yeah, right. but there are a lot of people that think if there's a sign on the door of a store, they can't carry a gun in there, and it's like, well, you know, what I, they I mean, don't know won't hurt them. Yeah, well, it does. It could hurt them because they, it, yeah, what they don't, what the store owner doesn't know, That's but correct. what, what, the, what, what the, the individual doesn't know could hurt him because, you know, so many people are disarmed going because in places. Because if you're conceal, concealed carry, mm-hmm. 
concealed is the operative word. Yeah, and people in Chicago are running into this problem. You know, I expected some major drop in the stats of violent crimes there once people could get armed. And I was in the middle of that gun rights battle. They flew me in, uh, the Illinois Gun Owners Political Action Committee. Really? Yeah. Cool. I held some classes. I taught some uh, NRA pistol classes at um, On Target uh range as well as gat guns there were like 70 to 80 something people in those classes and 100 percent of the money from those classes i didn't charge anything went toward their legal fees to fight their battle and they won and so now people in illinois have the right to conceal carry but what i'm hearing from people there is well we got my permit but everywhere you go the signs are on the doors saying you can't carry your gun so it doesn't do you any good to carry it you know and there's someone you leave it in the car where your car could get broken into that's right which, here's another beef I have, and if there are any Arkansas legislators out there listening, would you please somebody address this? We can, you can carry a gun in state parks in this state, mm-hmm. okay? You can carry, right. open, concealed, however. Right. But when you get to places like a lodge, like the Queen Wilhelmina Lodge, which I love, it's beautiful, and the Mount Magazine Lodge, I love, we have some of those beautiful lodges in Arkansas yeah, we ever. Do. We do. And, but, but there are signs on the doors of those lodges saying firearms prohibited. So what are you going to do? You're going to leave your gun in the car? If I was a bad guy and I know that there's a hotel full of people that had to leave their guns in the cars, that's where I'm going to break in. You, you know, your, your gun is more likely to get stolen and used in the commission of a crime by leaving it there than carrying it inside. So we need to change that policy. If they're allowed in the park, then it should be the park, period. That means lodges. Um, and I, we need to get that addressed. And, Governor, I mentioned that to you when I had my private conversation with you, and you said you would address it, so maybe you just forgot because I know you've been a little busy lately. So I'll remind, remind you on that. <laughs> no, he really felt, he, he agreed with me on that. He said, right. well, you know, we need to fix that. I, that. That takes a phone call. So right. apparently it's a policy. So we need, we need some legislators to get on that too. Now, I'd like to know who passed the policy. Yeah, can you can you as parks and tourism pass policies that are in conflict with state law? That's that's and my the answer my to that is no. It should be no, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but then but then there it is. You know, I actually I went into Queen Wilhelmina Lodge with a group of folks from Alabama who came for a motorcycle ride, uh, and we were all almost all of us were open carrying. And uh, the officer there came up to us sitting in the restaurant. And he said, I'm going to have to ask you to go put your guns in the car. There was no sign on the building at all at that point. There was no sign on the building, and I said. Well, actually, I I don't have a I don't have saddlebags in my motorcycle, so I have nowhere to put it on my bike. So I'm just going to we're going to finish lunch and then we'll be leaving. And he said, No, we need you all to take those. You need to put your guns up now. And uh, we, we finished lunch anyway. I was like, Well, I guess he'll just arrest us. I'm not going to put my I don't have anywhere to so put. What it. he thought he was Wyatt Earp, huh? You know, and he's a nice guy. Actually, he was very nice. Okay, uh, I've made friends with him since then. Good. You know, I went back and talked to him. I was like, Look, and he said, Look, I just you know, if people in the restaurant complain, and I was like, I have to. I said, But you don't have a sign on the door. Well, now they have a sign on the door. Right. right. Yeah, but the problem is, is it, that is in conflict with state law. We need to, we need to fix that. I we don't agree. need people leaving firearms in the car in our state parks. We need people to be able to go into the lodges with their guns and go into the hotels with their guns and, you know, feel safe in their hotel room. And we don't like to have people who are caring not being able to spend their dollars at our state facilities because they right. have to leave. Right. Exactly. That's kind of silly. Well, I actually had one person at one lodge tell me, well, just conceal carry. A lot of people here do. Just conceal carry. And I said, but you got the sign on the door. I don't understand what are you scared of? Are you scared of the person who shows you that they have a gun, mm-hmm. or are you scared that you wonder See, if the person me. has a gun? The logic of it. The, the people who are actually <laughs> open carrying are not the people we have to be afraid of that's because it. they are openly carrying their firearms. It's the felons. The felons are the ones who you're, – you're fine. The felons are the ones who can't 
openly carry guns because they're not supposed to have guns at all. Right. So, you know, you shouldn't be scared of my gun, my gun. I'm, I'm the good guy. It's the ones you can't see that you should be concerned about. But for some reason, you know, and Trish Regan on Fox News one day, she and I were on the air and she said, Jen, you know, I just don't know about this whole open carry thing. She said, if, if you were standing in front of me at the snow cone stand and I have my daughters there and we're behind you and I see that gun on your hip, I just don't I just don't really like that. It, it, it makes me uncomfortable. And I said, well, Trish, with all due respect, you know, our rights, my your comfort or your fears of guns don't trump my right. And I said, I'm not the person you have to worry about. So if somebody had a 12-inch blade showing, you wouldn't be feeling okay. uncomfortable? Or a hammer? Right. Or a bat? Or That's these days saying. a vehicle, a motor vehicle? I mean, how many times are people using cars now? Look, it, we've had guns since the beginning of time in America. Guns is how we won our independence, mm-hmm. right? So guns aren't going away. There will be there will be all kinds of mass chaos if you try to take guns from the gun owners in, in this country. And I think especially in Arkansas because we're one of the most heavily armed states in America. But – so why don't we just start talking about the real issues? When I was growing up, my classmates, the guys that went hunting after school and before school, they had shotguns and rifles in the window of their truck on the public school campus. You know, when, when people got into arguments or got bullied, they didn't go in. They Nobody punched even thought each of other in the nose. School. Yeah, you punch each other in the nose. Everybody's <laughs> cheering them on. And, the, and then they shake hands afterwards and it's over. Yep. It's a cultural thing and it's a society thing. So we need to address the real root of the problem. And I'm telling you, we need to go back to psychotropic drugs and, and look at that. And, talk and it's about the wussification health. of America. It is. It is. I mean, it is a cultural issue. It is. And it is a cultural issue in America. I just trained a bunch of folks from Japan. We should talk about wow, that sometime. That's we, cool. Yeah, a bunch of engineers from Japan are in Arkansas working with one of our Arkansas businesses, and they don't get to have guns there. And so nope. they called and said, we, can we have a private lesson? We want to do the gun thing. That's how we've ended up training. I've trained people from nine countries in every state in America. I've come to our little hole-in-the-wall place in, in the middle of Arkansas here. Uh, but they wanted to experience the gun thing. I quickly taught them gun safety handling, how to hold the guns, how to use the guns, how to control their trigger pull, how to stand, how to use the sights. Went in there with them and worked with them and started them on a twenty two and worked them up to the AR-15. And they were so excited. Woo-hoo! And then they wanted to take pictures <laughs> with a gun on my Harley. <laughs> so, yeah, and they, they actually joined the range and they've been back several times. Every time they come to America, they want to come. Isn't it amazing shoot. to you when people who have never fired a firearm mm-hmm. – who have always been afraid of firearms, how empowered they suddenly become when they get the chance to fire a firearm. I had a reporter from Taiwan that I met at the uh, Trump inaugural activities. Mm -hmm. She interviewed me about how can a woman support Trump thing. That was the focus of the interview. But she heard me speak at an event there, and I had a gun on my hip, and she was fascinated by that because they don't have guns in Taiwan. And she said, I want to do a documentary on the whole gun culture in America. Can I get an interview with you on that? And I said, yes, but not here. I want you to come to Hot Springs. I want you to take my gun class. I'm going to put you in my class. I want your videographer there. And I want you to see the kinds of people who are getting guns. They're people from all walks of life. They're yeah. teachers. They're doctors. They're lawyers. They're homemakers. I mean, she sat through the class. She got the training. She was, became a very good shot. She shot really well. I strapped my H&K on her hip. And I said, we're going to Walmart. Because in the state of Arkansas, you can legally carry as a non-citizen without a license. So with me walking beside her, she walked into Walmart with that gun on her hip because I wanted to buy her a Razorback shirt okay, you know, to take sure. back to Taiwan. But she was fascinated. There were two guys walking toward us, and I stopped them because I noticed them looking at her. And I said, tell me, can you tell her? And I asked the camera guy, I said, be sure this is rolling, right? And he said, yeah. I said, what did you think when you saw her carrying that gun openly? And, the, and one guy said, well, I was thinking it was pretty badass myself. <laughs> and the other guy said, I thought, well, that's just the woman who wants to protect herself. Yeah. And she was startled. She said she couldn't believe people don't think of you as a terrorist. 
So they're fascinated. And now these people want to move to America because they see how empowering it is, and especially as a woman, to be able to carry a gun to defend yourself. It's very empowering. It's called freedom. It is. It's so wonderful. It's well, and better I yet, die fighting I like it. to say what I, I say freedom all the time. But when I say that, I mean liberty. Liberty. It's yeah. liberty. And, it's, and, and liberty is, is totally a different definition than freedom. America is still the greatest place in the world yes, to live. Yes, it is. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, we got to get our final break in. Come back with more here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics and what they're doing with their uh, first location over on 12th Street. They moved in in the late 80s over there. The building was built in the late 1800s. It was time to have an addition and a demo done there. They're doing that. They're fixing it up. It's a state-of-the-art facility with the latest technology and prosthetics and orthotics. Don't forget, they have a 3D printer now over at Horton's. They're just waiting for the final uh, chemistry on the materials that they're going to use in that 3D uh, printer, and they will be able to print your orthotic. And your prosthetic, and that that's a huge difference the way it's done now. I mean, right now they come, you come in, you're going to sit down or whatever. They're going to do a mold of uh, you know where the amputation was, and uh, when you do a mold like that, you're going to have some things that aren't exactly right. So you got to go go back in. You're going to have to sand, and you're going to have to make things smoother, and it causes a lot more work and discomfort. When they start printing it, they'll run a device over uh, the uh, amputation. It will give them an exact copy of what they need, and it will print an exact fit for your prosthetic. And life will be different for you. I'm just telling you, it's going to be what's going to happen is the next big step. I mean, Gary Horton is the guy who gave us the articulating knee. Before that, you know, you had to lock the the leg and walk and then you'd sit down and unlock it so you could bend the leg uh, and he worked out an articulating knee so you could walk like a normal person i worked with nasa on that uh, and uh, this is the next big step and i'm really excited when it happens i'll have gary on to talk about it when it does remember six locations with the new updated facility in little rock north little rock brian conway fort smith searcy horton's orthotics and prosthetics which provides a lifetime of support. All right, back with your final segment uh, for this hour. We've got five minutes left. Mm-hmm. If you've just joined us, Jan Morgan is here. Somebody sent her a, a text and said, well, what should you do if you're pulled the, over? Yeah, the guy in Greenbrier. Yeah. Well, let, let's talk about what, what did he, he did. What did he do wrong? What did he do wrong? Yeah, yeah. And, and he seems like a very nice guy. And yeah, he, he did is. not intentionally do anything wrong, and he's not a criminal. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> so, right. But although he was made to feel like one. Yes, he which was. Is, which was wrong on the part of police. Uh, first of all, you know, th- when the officer asked him, if you get stopped and you have a gun on you or in your car, all right, what I do is, and what I tell my students to do, you roll down your window, you put your hands on the steering wheel or put them outside the car, either way. And then when the officer asks you questions, you answer truthfully. If you, if you, you know, do you have a gun in the car? Uh, I would say, yes, I do, or I have several. Uh, but the last thing I'm going to do is reach for the, his first mistake was reaching for the gun and racking mm, the slide. Yeah. He was trying to just clear the chamber. Don't worry. You can have a loaded gun in your car. You can carry your, remember what we said at the first show, your car is legally considered an extension of your home. And besides that, as an instructor, I would tell you a gun without a bullet in the chamber is useless. You might as well be carrying a rock. Okay, Car you carry without a gun, gas. loaded trunk. Absolutely. So, and the other thing is, when the officer who obviously didn't know the law asked him, "Do you have a permit for that gun you've got in this car?" He should have said, "Well, no, sir. 
I'm not required to have a permit. My car is legally considered an extension of my home, and with all due respect, that means no license required. I can carry it open or I can conceal it in the car. Yeah. You need yeah. to know the law. You need to know the law. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's not that complicated. And it would be very simple if our government, our state government, would just clarify this for the people and for the law enforcement and for the prosecuting attorneys once and for all so that we don't have to go through this yeah. and that innocent citizens don't have to go through this. I mean, I don't know how much money he spent fighting this, but, you know, and once again, I would recommend concealed carry insurance. There are a number of insurance. NRA has carry guard. There's USCCA. I use a legal defense law shield, U.S. law shield. Um, but there's there are a number of them out there. And just read the fine print. Yep. Look at the one that you like. Yeah. See, I'm yep. prepared for a fight, legal fight. That's probably why they don't bother me. But I also know the law. I know the law. Constitutional carry state, folks. Don't ever forget it. We are a constitutional carry state. That means you can carry open or concealed without a license. All right. I just talked to Jan about something, and we're going to try to work this out. Mm-hmm. Make a monthly or weekly appearance. I think weekly would be good. Okay, and we'll we, try we to work it out. We got to figure what we're going to call it. Is it going to just have to be about gun rights, or can it be about no, whatever? It could, it could be about anything. Good, I like that. <laughs> we'll talk about whatever's going on. <laughs> all right. we'll, okay, we'll Looking try to make to that all happen. All right, all right. We Thanks, appreciate Dave. you coming. It's been a pleasure. In. Thanks Always. so much. Always fun talking about liberty with you. You're one of my liberty loving people. I love them. I love those. I would people. die for it. All right, I would die for it. Yeah, absolutely. I've done that. I put my hand up and told them that I would die for it. You would it. die for it. Yeah, Biggest absolutely. regret I have in life is that I did not serve in the military. Nah. Yeah. It's all right. We're glad that so we... So it's easy for me to say I would die for it. And yeah. There are actually people that raised their hand and said they would. Yeah. So. Well, it just goes along with... Big mistake the, the, I made. My family, everybody serves. See, my family, no one. I have one uncle. And so I wasn't even led that direction. And I'm not blaming it on someone yeah. else. You know, as as 18-year-old, I should have... Honestly, now here, this will get me in trouble. I think that every graduating senior should have to serve two years in the military. Just like the Israelis. Every American. Yeah. It's would be good for you. That would straighten out our snowflake issue that we have. Yeah. And just think about that because, you know, Gilgadai, who plays Wonder Woman, she mm-hmm. was in the Israeli mm-hmm. uh, forces. And she the was IDF, amazing. And she fought over in Lebanon. Right. So, you know what? She did all of her own stunts. Mm-hmm. She, she did. saved a little bit of money on that movie. Yeah. I think I would be a better person. <laughs> I'd be a better citizen if I had. Served a couple of years in the military. All right. Conduit News is next. Stick around. We've got more coming your way on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. Back with you. My thanks to Jan Morgan from coming uh, by today. And she and I are going to work together and find a uh, day that will work for her and a time that will work for her. And she uh, she wants to do a weekly thing. She wants to come on weekly. So who am I to deny Jan Morgan? Just saying. Have her back on. We're also going to work on a way to hook my feed from Facebook up to hers so that we're on her her Facebook feed as, as well. To say that she has a few more viewers than I do is an understatement. Uh, coming on with us, Conduit News, and, of course, Brendan and Joe are here. I've got, I've got some uh, pieces to play for you that, uh, Paul Harrell gave to me with Bob Ballinger and uh, Jenna Della Rosa as well, uh, talking about uh, you know politicians. Basically, I I, I listened to Bob's uh, first, and I had to laugh uh, at it. As uh, <laughs> you'll understand when I play it, and Bob miss just really blew himself up on, and maybe blowing himself up on. Um, on uh, social media with this piece of uh, audio 
and video I'm going to play for you here in just a minute. Joe and uh, and Brenda, how y'all doing? Doing really well today. Beautiful day. Yeah, well, it's a gorgeous day outside, but uh, as far as uh, what's happening in Arkansas, uh, what did you think of what the tax task force came up with? Well, like like we talked about last week, it, you know, it sounds relatively positive. It, it does really sound relatively po- positive, and uh, I was I, sh- I picked up something on Twitter over the weekend uh, uh, with Doctor uh, Jeremy over there at Acre, and he was talking about uh, what the task force was saying, and he was saying something about. Uh, was a DFA that he was saying was saying something kind of different, and there was some different there was some some posts going around this weekend, and I I couldn't follow the whole string because I have to tell you guys that during the weekend I I try to stay away from politics a little bit. Do you know what I'm talking about here? Yeah, but it comes and gets you, doesn't it? Good it's, luck. It well, does. It I'm seeks not me being out. Cynical, but the way I look at the task force findings, which I, I am encouraged. But I look at them the same way I do the tax on Trump. I ignore them until I see something that, you know, makes more sense to focus on. I think we're a long way from really getting anything implemented. Um, and we've, we've been down the road to see how, how things turn out to a disappointment. But, you know, I'm encouraged, and I encourage them to put the pressure on to um, have some reductions, especially in the corporate income tax world. Yeah, I, I- that probably was my biz, uh, biggest disappointment is in corporate. They, I didn't think they were aggressive enough by a long shot. Well, the, the, the big elephant or the gorilla in the room on the top of the Capitol is still Medicaid expansion. And, uh, you know, like so many of them say, you know, that ship has sailed. Well, now the bill's coming due, which prevents them from doing everything they could. But they did that. Well, we have, as you pointed out with the uh, recording of Bob Ballinger from Friday's Political Animal Club here in Fayetteville, we have Conduit News has a reporter there and writes a great article, uh, did the same thing with the tax task force this last time. And the the report we were given orally was that a lot of, you know, there were legislators there who were shocked to find out that there's a bill coming due at 10% for Medicaid expansion. Mm. And that was... Thursday. Where have they been all these years? Well, they need a, another fifteen years' experience, and then they'll get it. I tell you, the the whole political animal statement that. Well, let's play what Bob Ballinger had to say. Uh, of course, right now he's running for state senate, and uh, you know, so there's no for sure that he's going to be a state senator. But he was in front of the political animals and talking and. I don't think he thought real hard about what he was saying, and the way it came out was not good. Let's just put it that way. Let me just play this for people to hear, and then we'll come back and talk about it. Here is uh, Bob Ballinger, State Representative Bob Ballinger at this time. We're a profession that gets beat up as much as we do, where they, you know, like, and only good lawyers and dead lawyers, right? And, you know, all that stuff, right? For somebody who gets beat up as much as we do, for, for people to just beat up the legislature, my friends in the legislature are servants. They, they, not one of them, not one of them up there right now is, is benefiting from being in the state. They, they have <laughs>
So not any of these people are doing anything for themselves, basically. Uh, And to say that on top of all of the information that has been published over the last months of how many, you know, I mean, I agree. It's not the majority uh, or even a, uh, a large minority, but it's enough people that's got everybody's attention that there's a lot of, there, there's a lot of corruption going on up in the state capitol. I just thought that was the wrong time to say what he said. Well, I would disagree that it's not a small minority. I, I would, I would, I would probably agree that it's not a majority. But the problem is much worse than most people think it is. And I think in if you take that in conjunction with uh, the other recording that Conduit News has, uh, it. It seems to be a trend that they all have to say this and, you know, deny, deny, deny until the public gets distracted. And and they just circle the wagons. And and I I guess it's an effective way to handle these things. But we'll watch over time and we'll see what we see. I mean, what? It's not a majority, but it certainly is a majority who is not willing to do anything about it. Now, that I will agree with. Yeah, that is really the the problem here. And now you hear the extreme statements that Bob is willing to to use when he is, quote, not running for state senate but running to pass tort reform and running to uh, keep the extended term limits. I mean, Bob, you know, feels like his senate race is a shoe-in, I would assume. But you can tell from his position he's certainly not making money practicing law or he wouldn't be espousing um, passing that tort reform issue number one. Well, yep. and, and don't don't get don't get us wrong, Dave. We we've been uh, fans of Bob Ballinger for years, uh, but uh, we can see the evolution beginning to happen, and it's and it's very disheartening. Yeah, I I agree. Though what Brenda is saying is that it is a majority of people who seem to want to just turn a blind eye to what's going on, and have been uh, probably forever. I mean, they look when when they had problems before this and it was the Democrats who were in control, people just looked the other way. And now with some with the Republicans in control and Republicans are getting in trouble, people have in many cases looked the other way because I got to I think that you all would agree with me on this. People knew something was going on. You can't do this kind of stuff in a vacuum. There's other people that are aware of what's happening, but nobody wants to say anything because I guess it means you're not a team player or something. Well, now now you know why it's fashionable to hate on Conduit News. Well, we um, not only do these other people know about it, but the, the people who are guilty brag about it. I mean, uh, these statements of what's happening come, come out of the mouth of those who are guilty. I mean, it's not like something somebody caught someone doing it that's the strange part and I mean I, I had many conversations from with a businessman in Russellville and he told me often at the retainers that Michael Lamoureux received um, for you know quote um, let's by you know being a Senate in the Senate and yet he was paid as though he were their attorney and uh, this this person got this information from from Michael Lamoureux. Well, and it's it's really interesting to see that the they turn into victims really quick, 
uh, you know, they play the victim card, and I know you love that, don't you, Dave? Yeah, well, no, I, I just, I'm, I sit and I listen to what these people say, and I just shake my head. Look, I've had Kim Hammer on here, and he didn't come out right out and say it, but, and, that, and none of them do. But you could tell if you read, listen between the lines, you heard him say everybody knew it was going on. Uh, Bob Ballinger was paid by Ecclesia College to handle their uh, loan closing on the purchase of, of real estate that he gave the college or he, he directed GIF money toward. And when asked about it in the campaign, he said he didn't benefit from that. And people ask him, well, what about the fact you were paid as an attorney? Well, I was paid at a discount rate. I mean, excuses, I, I don't understand. And so Bob stands there the other day. These, this is a rather educated crowd that he's talking to, and uh, they weren't buying it, and so he doubled down. And it didn't work out too well for him, but maybe maybe those people are not really part of his uh, following to start with. Well, it's a bad we, thing we when everybody starts laughing at it. experience that, you know, most of the time when legislators are out and about talking to an educated uh, or semi-educated crowd, uh, they, they do play the victim, and they, they really don't like being in those environments much. Uh, you, you, they come around uh, the Republican you know, events around election time, but you're not going to see them there any other time. Oh, yeah, when conduit's there, they show up. Well, yeah, whatever <laughs> conduit's there to give a report on you know, what we've learned this year, then they, they want to show up and make sure that they let everybody else know that we have no integrity. That, that's kind of interesting as well, because I've read all of, if not all, at least a high majority of your, your articles. I've had you guys on uh, on my show many other times before we struck up this deal of having you on weekly. Uh, the bottom line is uh, that uh, I think that you guys give pretty clear, uh, you know, synopsis of what's going on in the legislature. Well, the, the thing is that, that no one can figure out yet is why we do it. It's like, what's their angle? Well, we don't have angles. We're not looking to benefit from this thing. We're, we're, we're just trying to help the people that want to promote the principles that we thought we all shared. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Sometimes I wonder when I've met with some legislators if they really believe in the principles of uh, of what we push as being Republicans. In fact, I know several now that don't, and it that bothers me. It bothers well, me that they still stand that the party, the state party, still stands behind them. I don't know if I mentioned this last week, but I'm very saddened, as I'm sure many, many people are, about what's going on in the news with the Catholic Church. And I'm sad to see that their leadership in the Catholic Church is being now called to account and having to pay for their lack of holding um, their people in the leadership accountable to their principles. And, of course, principles of faith are much more than principles of politics. But um, you see what's now happening to the Catholic Church and Joe and I have talked many times about we can see that same kind of destruction happening in the Republican Party in Arkansas for lack of leaders standing up and doing something to hold people to account to the principles they claim that they represent. What's up, Mickey Gates? <laughs> and we sure sure held him to account, didn't we? Yeah, they did. And there's 
there's some interesting things that I'm hearing about that maybe a lot of people are not don't know are out there yet that are going to pop up. I can't get anybody to speak on record, so I won't I won't speak to it. But there's some interesting caveats on the whole Gates thing. It may not be as cut and dry as everybody uh, is thinking. Are you guys hearing some some hub drub about that too? Yes, yes, we are, uh, and we have heard from the beginning, and it, it was fairly apparent that there was such a double standard being applied, uh, especially towards one of the more conservative voices at the Capitol, um, you know, not unlike Linda Collins and, and uh, Brian King opposition in their races, uh, you know, the same, same forces are behind all that. Well, I'm working on having some people onto my show to talk about it specifically, and when they're ready, because it's up to them, when they're ready, then they'll be here, and what they'll have to say may shock a lot of people. Well, I, what what generally comes of that, though, it's it's the, the public has to pay a little bit of attention, and they have to, at some point, do enough research and think about it long enough to ascertain what is likely to be true here. Yeah, I agree. Because the political class, they know exactly how to manipulate the public with very short sound bites. I would say that our governor is a, a talented politician, and he understands voters. And uh, I think, you know, he's been successful at, at least this last run and re-election, two elections as governor, even though he had failed in other statewide elections in the past. But... Um, he and he watched the way that he's running in these races. When he was running against Jan Morgan, you know, he, he looked extremely conservative. Every everything was whatever she said. Yeah, me too. And now he's me too with a Democrat. You know, uh, it's you know I think that teachers should be paid more, which I'm glad. I, I too think teachers should be paid more. But uh, it seems that every time he's hit with a, the Democrats complaining, then they move that direction. So, you know, I guess. Um, Knowing knowing the the strength of the voter, maybe Asa understands it better, and we just need to get get better at at educating them, or maybe have a stronger um, voice where it's heard more. All right, Joe and Brenda are with us from Conduit News. Conduitnews.org is their website. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. We'll be back in just a moment and consider and continue our discussion. Did you know there are 567 different ways to claim your Social Security benefits and 2,728 rules in the Social Security Handbook? And did you know, to make matters worse, that the Social Security Administration is actually forbidden by the government to offer you any personalized advice? So you're really just totally on your own. No wonder why as much as $10 billion in benefits go unclaimed every year. You can learn how you could wring every nickel out of your Social Security benefits in the up-to-date 2018 Guide to Social Security. It's from David Lucas, host of the David Lucas Show right here on 101.1 FM, The Answer, every Saturday at 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. And to get your free 2018 Guide to Social Security, be one of the first 10 callers right now at 501-653-6690. Don't leave thousands of dollars on your retirement table. Get back every nickel that's rightfully yours. Call 501-653-6690 
or visit davidlucasfinancial.com. All right, let's get back to uh, Joe and Brenda at, uh, of course, uh, Conduit News. Their website, conduitnews.com. That's conduitnews.com. We heard from Bob Ballinger uh, in the first half hour here as we move into the second half hour. Uh, Jana Della Rosa from uh, she she. Oh, we just got 10 seconds. Okay, so we're going to get back to that after the news. Let's do the news first. Then we'll come back and you'll hear Jana Della Rosa and what she has to say about legislators. All right, let's continue on. And uh, Brenda and Joe are with us um, from Conduit News. Conduitnews.com is their website. And uh, we've got another piece of audio for you. This from Jana Della Rosa. She is a state uh, rep up in the northwest part of the state. And uh, she, too, was talking about how uh, beat up the legislators get. And uh, seems to me, I, you know, I, you know, here's the key. I'm sure they get a lot of, you know, anti, you know, messages to them. But I bet you they get a lot of positive strokes as well. And uh, if you go into a, an elected position... And uh, you're not doing what you're, you know, the people who elected you asked you to do. You should be expecting blowback uh, from those people as well. I want you to listen to. Dave, uh, yeah. just a minute. Let me make sure that you tell everyone this is her hometown county committee. This is her Republican county committee that she's talking to here. Right. And this was from last year, uh, 1024 of 17. I want you to listen closely because. Somebody says to her during the meeting, but you never come to our meetings. That is telltale right there. If you're not going out and talking to the people that are the ones that are working hard to get you elected, there's something wrong. So let's hear what she has to say here. Let's play this for you. question for Lady Spring, and I'm going to be ugly for just a second because I'm... I'm tired of it. I hear this all the time, and I'm tired of hearing it. This is the Republican committee, and you guys are after your own elected officials. We're in this room, and we're being put down. We're being told we're not being accountable. We're being told that we're not conservative enough. We're not Republican enough. We're in this room with you. If you want to know what my voting record is, I'm right here. You don't have to go look at their scorecard for their interpretation of it. I'm right here, 479-236-3060. It's all over the place. It's my phone number. Same for everybody else. You want to know why we don't show up here very often, as, as Representative Henry pointed out? Because of this. Because when we walk in this room, half of you are nodding your heads going, yeah, those elected officials, they're not acting right. They're not acting right. Well, you're talking about us. Would you show up to a meeting where half the people in the room were against you? Not all of you. A lot of you are, are very supportive of the Republican Party, and you, you follow the goals of getting Republicans in power, and you don't expect 100% agreement with absolutely every single thing. You can't get 100% agreement with everybody in this room. What will happen? Every one of you thinks you're perfect conservative, and you're going to disagree on stuff. That's the way it happens. My point is, you can feel the tension in this room, can you not? I can no, no. Well, I can. No, and I know that some of the legislators can, too. It's very uncomfortable. It's very divisive. And it starts when that group comes in. If you want to know what will happen in Benton County, if you start listening to this kind of thing, go look at Washington County. 
Go look at what happened in Washington County. That's enough evidence right there. Washington County is great. We're ready. I know, I know people that have come in and said this place is nuts and walked right back out. Ben County has gotten along very well. You know, it, it's been very open. And, and when John Carl was chairman, I think it was the last time that I was here, very welcoming, very nice. And I'm just saying, it, it's not feeling like that anymore. And I'm, I'm most disturbed because I saw so many heads nodding when they were saying, you know, we need to get our elected officials back. We need to primary. We need to, you know, all this Nobody kind of said that. Nobody I said that. that. How many, how many, how many legislators in this room have had to in primary? Yes or no? Vote. Yes or no? That's true. Who said that? Who said that? But that's what they do. But no, who said it? Who said the last primary? You haven't been here to observe this anyhow. Who's become guardians? This is divisive. It tears apart the committee versus the elected officials. And that's my point. No. That's my point. Well, I'm an elected official saying you're telling you this. Why are you telling me I'm, I'm incorrect? If I'm feeling it's divisive, then how can I be incorrect that it's divisive? You're the you're you're right. okay. That's the let's, problem. Let's stop. All right. That is uh, Janet Della Rosa. So I'm going to throw it back to Brenda and to Joe. If I'm not mistaken, she's speaking at your all's local uh republican uh group is that correct no that was the benton county republican okay group, which is next door and and we know those folks there and it was just amazing that it was conduit's fault for pointing out voting records and being divisive it, it, it this is just what these people do well we joe and i are from washington county so that was the dig that she was saying look what happened to washington county and you heard people in the audience say washington county's great but Joe and I were there to present Conduit Scorecard to show how the legislature had voted. And we passed out the records. You know, there were 33 bills that we scored, and we just simply showed how everyone voted. And all of the legislators from that county were present, and that's why the members turned around and said, oh, my goodness, we're not used to you guys being here. You know, it was, it was very interesting yeah, to see. And they came just to rebut and make excuses that would normally, when they're out, talking to people that don't know and keep up with what they do, they can easily, you know, explain away anything that we've ever said, but doesn't make them honest. Well, Della Rosa has, according to our scorecard, and I don't know what Family Council scorecard reveals, but she has one of the more liberal voting records of anyone in the House of 100 legislators, Mm -hmm. including the Democrats, she did win re-election of her primary by three votes. I was going to say, let's take a look at the votes. It looks like to me uh, she's got some real problems in her own uh, area. Well, these guys work really hard to get elected. I mean, they, there's no question they work very hard to be in that office. But I think that... Incumbents come back 97% of the time or some outrageous percentage. Yeah, it's a little, little tougher for uh, a challenger, but... it. At, at the end of the day, it seems to us, after watching it for as long as we have, that they are more concerned with what the special interests and what what it takes to go along and get along down there than they are fully explaining and being accountable to and truthful with the voters that elect them. They're, they're more 
scared about the special interest money than they are the voters. Well, and Bob, you know, Bob was there in Washington County, and the Senate uh, position is partly Washington County. So he was speaking to his constituents or prospective constituents. Of course, he's a House member in that county right now. But, um, you know, getting pushback from your voters and saying, you know, you people are wrong. I mean, when we start looking at these ballot issues, that they, you know, what they put on the ballot and tell us these are good bills, we need to look at it with the idea of the mentality that they put them on there with. So, you know, I mean, take it all in consideration. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with you. The debate doesn't seem on the, on the issues with somebody who knows the issues. They like to explain them to people who don't understand the issues. Well, if a good, if a if a lot of people, if you only win your primary by three votes, you should understand that your the the electorate in in your county is not happy with what you're doing. It's not their fault if they're not understanding what's really going on. That's your fault. I mean, that's that's the politicians problem for not explaining why they're doing what they're doing is in their best interest. Well, it seems to me like they they look at it like I've got two years or four years to get done what I want to get done, and then I'll worry about explaining my reelection stuff later. Well, I have no reason to to want to pick on uh, Janet Delarosa. She just comes to mind because, you know, we're here in Northwest Arkansas and and experienced uh, being, you know, these kind of meetings. We were at Benton County Republican Women's Meeting uh, a couple of week, a uh, couple of days ago, last week actually, Joe and I, and the issue they wanted to talk about the ballot issues, and uh, they told us that Della Rosa was their guest the month before, and she had told them how she single-handedly defeated school choice bill, and I'm thinking she's, you know, I'm thinking they're kidding because this is a Republican group of women, you know, who are totally in favor of school choice, but anyhow. Yeah, that's not yeah, going to endear you to them. Yeah, it's, it's just it's, it's it's surreal in some cases. Uh, it, it's like they have to become the victims of big bad conduit. Well, let, let me t- well, Joe, let me tell you what I've had her on, <coughs> and that she fought against school choice. Uh, sto- uh, school choice is wasn't anything that surprised me. I counted her a no vote from the very beginning. She's been on my show and has spoken against school choice consistently. Well, I'd say the the fact that she won by three votes lets you know how hard it is to educate voters. Yes. Well, <laughs> you know, and that's the, and that's the circle that she you know counts on to get her elected is the big bureaucracy of the schools, the school superintendents, uh, everybody who benefits from. The trough that is public education. The teachers are not the problem here. It's the big bureaucracy and the rules and the, uh, the, the, the political correctness and the lack of any kind of accountability. Where you know the administration costs have you know quadrupled, in, you know, and the teacher salaries have have been flat for decades. Well, I can take you back six years when Alan Kerr was trying to dis- defeat special elections and couldn't get it through the Senate because one person stood against it, no use in me getting into who it was. They're not there any going to be there any longer. But the bottom line was uh, he was told basically that my school superintendent would lambast me if I voted 
uh, against special elections. Well, well, how many votes does that school superintendent have? He's got one vote, just like you or I do. So why is it that they fear that more than they fear their voters? Well, I guess they fear that the voters will listen to what the super, uh, school superintendent says, especially perhaps all the teachers, and then the teachers talking to the parents. I don't know. I just I can tell you why. That. I think it's uh, uh, the lobbyists, the special interest, the money that comes behind the special interest. Yeah. The unions and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I just got my finger crossed that and we get into the next the next session, we can finally put a put a, a wooden stake in the heart of the vampire cult special elections. I don't know if we'll be able to do it or not, but I sure hope that we'll, uh, we'll give it a whole college try again. We came so close uh, the last time, and, of course, the person that, that caused uh, it to get defeated again is now in the state Senate. So who knows what's going to happen there. All right, let me get one. Go ahead. Let me go, let, I was go ahead. Say, make sure you encourage Dave Wallace on that to stay with the same bill because the last time I talked to him, he was said he was considering, you know, maybe uh, modifying it to make it more palatable, which I think would be a shame. More palatable would be that school <laughs> elections or school things wouldn't come under special elections. That's County, where, uh, yeah, that's where the problem is because they know if they don't have, if they turn out a whole lot of voters, they're going to get defeated most of the time. Uh, on, uh, we had a special election up here in Rogers just the other day, and you had to vote yes on all five items, and they passed it with four and a half percent voter turnout. Wow, that's a half percent. That's the way it always works, isn't it, Joe? I mean, that's why they use special elections. I mean, well, it's not. It's not. You know, it's not the legislators' fault. It's the voters, right? Except yeah. when it comes to issue three and term limits. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's get a break in. Final break. Then we'll be back. And uh, next hour, don't forget, Robert Steinbach will be here. We'll be talking about uh, issues of uh, First Amendment. We'll probably talk a lot about NAFTA as well. That's a huge story today I want to get into as well. Don't forget about the Clean Home Guarantee with Arrow Plumbing, narrowplumbing.net. They guarantee that their expert is going to clean up after himself, or if they don't, if they don't, They'll send a professional to clean your entire home. That's right. Hey, look, we all know that when the plumber comes, there can be a mess left. Well, Arrow says, yeah, there may be a mess, but we'll clean that mess, and we're going to leave your home clean. Or if we don't, you let us know, and we're going to have a professional sent to your home to clean your entire home. And on top of that, never forget about the 100% satisfaction guarantee that they have If you are not 100% satisfied with the service that they've provided, they're going to refund all your money. If their plumber swears in your home, doesn't wear his shoe uh, covers, you find out he's not been drug tested, you don't have to pay for the service either. That's aeroplumbing.net or on Google, aeroplumbing. All right, final question for you all. We've got about uh, two and a half, three minutes left here. Uh, what about um, hearing the, the, the finally moving in the Senate to start streaming? Uh, you think it happens before 2019 or not? I think only if you can produce enough uh, attention and pressure will they do it before then. And from my viewpoint, it doesn't matter. Uh, I don't really care about streaming. I mean, who wants to watch those people posture? I would, I would want to record committee votes. That's all that matters. What they say doesn't matter. 
It's what they do. How they vote. How they vote and the laws that they put on the books for the rest of us to follow. Well, it'd be very interesting, I think, to at least, uh, if it, it works for us, is to get uh, the cameras into the committee rooms because that looks like that's part of this whole thing. They're going to not only do the well of the Senate, but they're going to do the committee rooms as well. So perhaps we can actually hear things and actually see some things going on. And perhaps shows like mine and Paul's can have that audio to play for the listener. Count the quorum? <laughs> well, I mean, they've listened now. You know, you, they, they're going to know, most of them are going to have sense enough to know they're being recorded and they're on the record. The conversations that matter are going to go on you know, at the Copper Grill or wherever else, uh, you know, the, the Poultry Federation and the uh, Arkansas Association of Counties buildings, that's where those conversations happen. It's the vote that matters. Well, and just talk about a quorum. You know, uh, maybe maybe Senate, uh, Representative Collins sees a, a quorum there, and there are three people, you know, out of 20. And he says, oh, we have a quorum, and, you know, do well, I gonna, have it? Who are you going to tell? Well, well, that's the point. Unless a legislator brings it up, it doesn't matter how many things, you know, that we see on the on the video until we get to election. And then, you know, Sturch did win. Yep, Sturch and the Sturch Lurch won. Yeah, yeah, he did win, and we're well, being Debbie Downers, aren't we? No, I'm, <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm just. Well, I'm you just, know, Arkansas may not always have have the depth of the swamp it has right now, and I'm hoping that that we'll maybe start cleaning it up with, um, you know, seeing what's been going on with the preferred family health, and and get into some, you know, maybe the state of Arkansas will do their job, and the attorney general will make sure these prosecutions happen. Maybe the the FBI will will complete what Missouri started. You know, I don't know. Well, maybe ethics training will just solve the whole deal. Of course, well, the FBI. I meant to say U.S. attorneys in the Western Eastern districts. You know, it's really in their laps, and and uh, the people deserve to know. What about the attorney? Well, as long as we what, can, hey guys, what about shows like this and talk and and put out things that we can prove? Then maybe people will wake up slowly every day. So what what do you all think about the story that nobody seemed to talk about? We talked about it last week, but the AG saying that they had investigations going on as well and, you know, were helping the FBI. I thought that was interesting. That didn't generate anything on, on, on the news or anything around here in the state. I thought that was kind of strange. There was an article in the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, I believe the 21st of August, uh, talking about the case in Independence County in the state, saying that the FBI had handed them the goods and they dropped it and didn't pursue it until the statute had run, and now they were pursuing against you know the big picture. They had this big, huge investigation for Medicaid fraud. They were going to do a bigger scope. Well, well, you know, I hope so. An unnamed um, lobbying firm had paid uh, the second employee, uh, you know, for preferred family health. X amount of money, and, and you know the the public needs to know the details of these things. Most importantly, the public needs to know why the attorney general has not gone after Randy uh, Rusty Cranford themselves. Why leave it to Missouri and Arkansans are left holding the bag? Why haven't we gone after Ecclesia College to recover those funds? I agree with that. I wholeheartedly agree with that. Maybe I can get some answers on that. Let me uh, let me. Uh 
see what I can do on my end as far as that's concerned. Guys, I appreciate your time as usual. We'll do it again next. uh, Well, we won't do it next Monday because that's Labor Day. So we'll be back in two weeks. Have a good time. All right. We'll talk to you later again. Bye-bye now. All right. So that's Joe and uh, Brenda. Conduit News. Now, remember their website, conduitnews.com. And they need to keep writing their articles uh, as well. Robert Steinbach has made his way into the studio, so we'll be coming back and talking with him. It's been a power-packed show today. We start off at 3 o'clock with Jan Morgan for an hour. We come back with Conduit News for an hour, and then we're going to finish it up with Robert Steinbach. He's, of course, a professor of law at uh, Bowen School of Law. All his opinions are his and his alone. We'll get this out of the way right now. His and his alone, and do not necessarily reflect that of the School of Law or UALR. We're back with more in a moment on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, final hour of a Monday show. Tomorrow we will be, uh, of course, the power panel is going to be in. We're going to have a special guest, a uh, former police officer who will join us. And we'll play the sound of the uh, arrest that happened with a Greenbrier citizen about uh, concealed, quote, he wasn't supposed to be concealed carrying in his car. That is an absolute falsehood. And so um, we're going pl- to do that. The guy was found not guilty. And so we go- we're going to play that back, at that audio for you to hear. Jan Morgan and I talked about that in the second hour of the show today. And by the way, to the about 4,000 people that were watching that segment on our, our Facebook feed, we, uh, we thank you. And yeah, what you heard on there is true. Jan Morgan and I are talking about her being a weekly guest here on the Dave, uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. So we, we're hoping that we can work that out as well. With that said, Robert Steinbach is here. It's nice. You know, it's, I look forward now. To, uh, to to Mondays, I look forward to and talk to you on Mondays all the time. But to have you come into the studio again and and do the show is always a, a blessing to me. For for me as well, and of course it's it's better. We will get a better interaction discussion going, and hopefully your guests will enjoy that. Yeah, the phone the phone lines are open. They always are, and, and I don't mention it enough because I figure if you've been listening to me for nearly twenty years, I've been here in the market. You know, my phone lines are always open. Uh, but 501-823-0965, 501-823-0965 is the uh, uh, local uh, number. I got an interesting question for you. Yes, sir. At the Salt Bowl game this weekend, you're aware of what happened, correct? There was a shooting or a there gun. Was no or, shooting. There was no shooting. There so was t- no shooting. There was no gunfire. Tell fire. me what happened. At the ball game, evidently some kids showed up. Uh, from somewhere i don't know benton bryant i don't know little rock i i have no idea Mm -hmm. because nobody's been arrested or anything uh showed up to cause some hassle and they did and uh there was a little bit of a fight that occurred and then evidently some barricades metal barricades fell at the stadium hit on the ground and if you've ever been in the concourse you know how that reverberates yeah yeah. Okay. I've I've heard those. So bang, bang right? Right. What does somebody think? There's a gun gunshot. Shot. Right. All right. So somebody says gun. Yeah. Pandemonium. Right. There were thirty eight thousand people there 
and they're all rushing right, rushing for the, the exits. exits. Right. All right. Panic. Panic right. ensues. I, I've heard that some people were hurt in in the in the crush. Right. One person jumped off, you know, over one of the walls there right. and landed, and uh, some people got stepped on and things of that nature. Right. The person who yelled out "gun," all right, right, is that the equivalent of yelling out "fire" in a crowded movie theater? Well, it could be, uh, and we we use that analogy of yelling "fire" in a movie theater. It's actually not the law, uh, um, in in the sense that you are allowed to yell "fire" in a movie theater unless you expect some direct immediate harm. Uh, so even that is not prohibited but it's a it's a rough approximation of the law so the analogy still uh, serves in this instance but the question is did the person believe uh, that there was a gun if the person believed there was a gun in other words it was not designed to create havoc and physical injury uh, then the person who yelled it is fine okay. if the person knew it to be false and, and this is where that nuance that I referenced a moment ago comes in, and knew it would result in injury uh, directly, immediately, uh, then there could be liability. Uh, so it's a lot of hurdles to get over. And one, as you point out just a moment ago, one could easily foresee that someone thought it was a gunshot. That's it. Right? And we see this on television. You know, it's almost mimicking television where you watch like a SWAT shark. team. Right. Shark. Or, or SWAT team runs <laughs> in and someone says, uh, gun. And so sort of like a home version, you know, home game version of yelling out gun uh, when you hear a loud noise. Uh, and so it can be very dangerous, needless to say. Well, it was dangerous. Right. And some people right. got hurt. Right. I don't know if anybody has been arrested. Right. If no one is arrested if they if they determined it was some kids and they know who the kids are right this should be turned over on a legal uh situation and not right. on just a school board taking right. action and so there was as far as I know, up until no this gun. time, nobody has been arrested. But what, in terms, was there someone else with a gun? Was there a gun involved no. in any? None no. of this. There, right, it, it's interesting. There, I think there right. was a taser. I see. Okay. But was, was really, and it was not. Well, that's um, it wasn't ready to. It, it wouldn't no, have it shot anybody. It. it has nothing to do with it. It's All actually right. saying and the it guy went had, off, yeah. and somebody said, "Well, you could." probably mistake that for okay. a gun or a cell phone right people yeah. have gotten shot because uh, uh, cops have reasonably seen a black cell phone and thought yeah, it was a it was black a gun. gun so uh, but the you know it does raise an interesting point here which is uh, you hear those on the left say oh you know you can't have a gun anywhere it's so dangerous well here's no gun yeah right and there's a danger involved and that what's the danger by the way the danger is that a bad guy has a gun not that a good guy yeah has a gun and so, take care. Right. Take this also, is that because uh, this was in the paper today. I was reading the story, and there was a, a family there. I, I right. think their daughter played in the Benton uh, marching band. Mm -hmm. She came up with her family and said and told them she had heard there was a somebody there with a gun. Right, and so they got behind one of those around the exits, those concrete yeah barriers. Walls. Right, all right. Thought that they'd have some. Some uh, would, yeah. you know protection, sure. But then they started talking amongst themselves. Well, what if they have a bomb? Oh, okay, right. So now right. they're they're hiding under, you know, some of the seats and right. stuff as well. Right. right. And it just goes to show 
how crazy things can get. Sure. I mean, my question is, what was going on with the PA announcements and things right, of that nature? Right, right. Uh, you know about you know people being cool and stuff right, like that. Right. I there's going to have to be a real debriefing right. going on about this to keep right. that from ever happening again. Because right. I'm going to tell you what it happened this time. Somebody will have paid attention to this and yeah. say, "I dare you to say gun." Right. Right. And then we get into that area that you were referencing uh, a few minutes ago, which is now you have in this hypothetical, you have someone intentionally trying to create immediate havoc and injury uh, through speech. And that's one of those areas in which then we get to that point or on that line, depending on the specifics of crossing into actually regulatable speech. It's a very limited area, as we spoke about before many times every week, in fact, on your on your show virtually. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, that's a no gun zone. Well, that's it, right? And that's you know, the, this is the, if I may say, uh, and let's put it in air quotes. The funny part of it is that there was no gun. It's a no gun zone, uh, and this is where all of this activity is going on. Yet the left is always trying to say how dangerous it would be for law-abiding citizens to carry guns, and yet we see remarkably low incidence of violence slash danger uh, with people with, for example, concealed carry licenses. Um, it's no or virtually no uh, um, uh, intentional bad acts by people with concealed carry licenses. Most, the vast majority of bad behavior with guns, you know, criminal activity, is by people without concealed carry right. licenses. But, you, you know, here's the funny part about it. The left will tell you, oh, the crime rate for illegal aliens is lower than the, American, the general American population, which may or may not be true. But let's assume it for argument's and sake. And let's say, so right, what? Right, so what is the response, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but then if you say, but the gun violence uh, uh, rate for people with concealed carry licenses is virtually zero, uh, and they don't want to talk about this. So, you know, oh, but guns are dangerous. Not, not with those people. It's right. Not. Right? So the left sort of picks and chooses the type of argument. They always do. They always do, right? And this is really a problem. Uh, You know, I saw on Twitter, it's one of, it's the only social media that I even understand how to use. I saw on Twitter the other day that uh, someone said to Charlie Collins, you know, the proponent of Act 562, which was the enhanced concealed carry license, nobody who was an affected constituent uh, wanted the enhanced carry license. What they meant by that was no chancellor of the university, which is, you know, a half dozen people in that's the whole correct state, right well i'm an affected constituent i teach at the university i'm all for enhanced carry i think it would be good if there's uh, other people at the university in addition to the cops carrying so i'd like to see my colleagues uh, or someone else who's trained who's on campus uh, to carry and hopefully that'll come about uh, so these claims aren't even true the the fact is and charlie's response was well i've heard a lot from a lot of people in private well and Charlie knows this. Here's one person in public who's an affected constituent uh, regarding uh, the enhanced concealed carry who's glad that more people will be carrying uh, legally through concealed carry and extra training on campuses. Here's the, here's the thing that I don't understand. Jan Morgan and I talked about this. Mm-hmm. Let's say you're at a restaurant. Right. I don't sit down in the restaurant and look around and go, man, wonder which people are. Right. Concealed carry. Right. Never give a thought to it. No, of course not. All right. 
are the people who are just that so scared of guns. Right. The people who are concealed carrying went through a background check. Right. They've gone through training. Right. You know, they've paid a stupid amount of money mm-hmm. to right. be able to conceal. Right. Who, why would you be scared of them when there's somebody out there who would like to do you harm right. that's a criminal right. who's carrying the gun completely illegally, right. probably is already a, was a criminal, so right. not shouldn't be carrying a gun again. At all. Why? Why are you not worried about them, or why were you not worried about them before there was concealed carry? And here's my related question, Dave, because your question is right on the money. Uh, are, are you worried if a cop shows up to the establishment to eat dinner wearing his gun? I have a, I have a police officer. Uh, 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 we, the university, the law school has police officers attending uh, uh, classes many times. Meaning, I don't know this year. Whether you mean I'm, they're sitting there with their gun exposed? Well, I, I guess they could be. Is my point right? Or right. or not exposed? Right? right. So there are students who could be police officers. We have police officers who who work there, right, on duty. Are are we afraid of those police officers? I'm not right um so are, are, are these people afraid and they say no but they're well trained well how well trained is the other guy you I know, mean, how, how? they might be surprised right. at what the training is right. right for a police officer that's right it's not it's not extravagant. they only usually have to go right. out and shoot once a year right right and so uh i i'm glad when there's a police officer around as a general matter vast general matter meaning almost without exception, uh, who's carrying a firearm because I feel safer. Uh, and why do you think that there's someone else who can't go through similar or indeed better training uh, and, and also be there to help people like you and me, Yeah. right? So that's the thing. It's like this notion that anybody who carries a gun is inherently dangerous except all the people who carry guns that you like, namely police officers. And unless you can articulate a valid distinction between a police officer and a non-police officer other than the color of his shirt right that's I mean, right that's a, well they have oversight well there's oh listen you carry concealed there's a lot of oversight because you're going to jail if you do something wrong mm-hmm. um so in some respects there's more oversight because if it's concealed carry you're not allowed to show it there's all sorts of prohibitions so this notion that there's some huge bright line between a well-trained um citizen uh, or even better trained citizen and a police officer on the other hand is simply untrue all right, phone lines open, 823-0965, 823-0965. If you want to call in, talk to Robert and myself, feel free, 823-0965. Hey, don't forget about Applied Research. Uh, they are a business here in town that does clinical research studies for various drugs that are in their final stages of being uh, given the okay or the not okay for being marketed and if you would be interested in getting involved in one of those studies about dermatitis or acne or asthma or testosterone or overactive bladder or kidney stones, all you have to do is uh, go on their website. That's where I'm going to suggest that you go, and I'll tell you why. You go to arcarkansas.com. They'll have every study right there on the website. Got a little pull-down on each one of the studies, you can pull it down, it tells you what the study is all about and what the parameters of the study is all about. And are you suffering from certain things? And uh, if you can answer the questions uh, correctly, uh, they may use you in one of their studies. And there is some compensation for that. Or if you want, you can just call them 501-954-7822, 501-954-7822. And, uh, you know, you can help. 
uh, get these drugs ready for the market. That is Applied Research. The number again, 501-954-7822. All right, back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Robert Steinbach is here. You know Robert. He's been part of my show for years, and he is here today, uh, as he always is, on Monday. And uh, I sent him an article about campus censorship and how Supreme Court decisions could curb campus censorship. And uh, the story is that some of these uh, dis- these decisions, a recent First Amendment rulings by the Supreme Court could force courts and university administrators to take a closer look at controversial practices that have marginalized certain political views, often conservative ones, of course, on campus. Free speech on campus has emerged as a hot debate in recent years. That's Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dave's banging his head again. In recent years, right, this is the thing. Free speech has always been an issue on campus. But in the 70s and 60s, it was the conservatives that were preventing the liberals from speaking. Yeah, we don't want you to even talk about uh, the other side of of these issues. Right. And now it's, you can't even talk. No, you're not allowed to talk. Because you have a free speech zone, a two-by-two-foot zone, and as... We've discussed before. Uh, I thought America is a free speech zone. Yeah. I thought that's what the first the First Amendment quite literally tells you. You have freedom of speech. So how do you restrict freedom of speech to a zone when the First Amendment in the United States Constitution says you have freedom of speech? Let me tell you what. You know where a lot of this stuff started on the the free speech zones was uh, corner preachers. Yeah, people who would get out felt right. led by the Lord. To preach to people, right. they put used to call them the soapbox. Soapbox, put the, the box front. down, get up on it, and preach at That's people. Right. That's right. And some cities didn't like it, That's like right. San Francisco. Right. And uh, so they took that right away. That's right. And the Supreme Court didn't protect those people. And that's where this all got started at. And it's always lefties that start this stuff. Well, as we've talked about, also, it's this notion that. We can define out of the meaning of speech, certain speech. Oh, well, that's not speech. That's hate speech. As we talked, even then they still leave the word speech in. But they say, but hate speech doesn't come under free speech. Because they say, you're a homosexual. You're going to go to hell. Right. So all of a sudden, that's hate speech. That's hate speech. Absolutely. And that's hate speech. And therefore, even though they leave the word speech in, it's not protected according to the lefties by the First Amendment. And therefore, we can throw you in jail or do whatever we want yeah. or restrict you. It's speech. It's speech. But it's a special kind of speech, and only certain people get to use it. Well, it's even more than that. The lefties believe, essentially, that if they disagree with it, that's not protected speech, mm-hmm. and therefore, we don't have an issue of free speech. This is this new – see, the left has adopted the thinking of the novel 1984, yes. right? Which is if we just give new meaning to a word and then the old meaning goes away, they do this with the Constitution all the time, right? Yes. They say this is what the Constitution means. But that's not what they, – when they wrote it, what the word – it doesn't matter. It's what it means now. So they give new meanings to the word. Like, for example, did you know – and I'm sure you did, by the way. It's rhetorical, Dave. Did you know that racism – can only be performed by uh, white people? Yes. 
Right? Meaning, if you are a person of color, if you are a minority, you can't be a racist. You know what I tell them? Yeah. You may not be a racist, but you're a bigot. Yeah. Well, you know what I tell them? <laughs> you're a racist. Meaning, this is the thing. Right. And, and that's a great line because, of course, as you know, they mean the same thing. That's right. right? Uh, but, but here's the thing. Isn't it great to be able to put yourself in a class of people that are defined out of wrong acts, bad acts, criminal activity? You just say, oh, yes, that's a crime for you. That's a bad act for you. No. I'm not here to say that I see some overwhelming incidents of racism by minorities, but I know it exists in part because, you know what? I've had minorities tell me that other minorities have discriminated against them. Back with you on the Dave Ellswick Show. That was quick. You always did a good job. But I was, we were talking about this whole trade thing with the um, uh, Mexico, and I said, you know, people are finally realizing that Perot was right about one thing. The big sucking sound. That's the right. South. The great sucking sound as soon as they signed NAFTA. Right, right. And you were just a personal story talking about one of the things right. that are coming out of this new uh, you know, trade agreement with Mexico is that Mexico must pay their workers $16 an hour. Right. And that's a, a win for them, for their workers, but sure. it's a win for us too. Sure. Because now the price of labor is not dirt cheap. Right. Down in Mexico, they can't undercut us so much on on uh, that. So uh, the people that uh, the you know why why you know shutter up a, a car manufacturing plant in Dearborn, Michigan, right. when you can uh, you know keep it open and and make your money back and not take all that overhead down there. Right. I was telling Dave uh, during the break that years ago I had been speaking with an official in the Clinton administration, I I believe, uh, in the Treasury Department. And I said, I don't understand. You guys are for minimum wage, and I get that. And you guys are for free trade with Mexico, amongst others, and I get that. And and let's make sure everybody understands. Don't think that we uh, were for minimum wage because we weren't Who's all right we? I, uh, i'm i was oh you in, and i here uh, in the no, united I states say, but, i right, didn't want right, a minimum right. wage either right. that's what part of the problem was right and what i was saying to them is uh, i i'm not saying at the time i said to the guy in fact i said i'm not saying i'm for against minimum wage but i understand that you're for the minimum wage i also understand that you're for free trade with amongst others mm-hmm. mexico but i don't understand right. how those two things work side by side they do because not if we have a minimum wage here and let's say minimum wage is ten dollars but there's no minimum wage in mexico uh and then the mexicans pay again i'm making up the numbers two dollars an hour then why would not all the manufacturers of the u.s produce in mexico because they can't pay their workers here less and his response was it's a problem but i I thought well that's a pretty big problem to kind of just say it's a problem don't you have to work that out and this is one of the problems or difficulties with minimum wage is you have need to understand what the results of minimum wage is i'm not saying minimum wage is good i'm not saying it's bad i'm saying it has effects and one of the effects is that uh suppliers look for the cheapest wage that they can get and that could be inside the country or outside the country so if you force it up here but you don't have that in other countries then you force work out of the country. That's why These, they, all the people yeah. went over to China. Right. That's the big sucking sound of the South, as you just pointed out from Ross Perot from years back. But that's where policymakers need to be thinking more broadly. And maybe they are, but they're not talking about it and they're not acting on it until now, perhaps. Yeah. And now 
what the president did today will keep more manufacturing here in this uh, country than before. I, I was talking to Eric Trump a uh, week before last, and he said that NAFTA shuttered 70,000 factories. He said, you know what? I never even thought there were 70,000 factories in the United States. Right, right. Think about right. the loss of sure. jobs, the loss of sure. income. sure. And the loss of, uh, you know, lifestyle sure. for all those people. Right. Well, you tell those people, hey, here, here's some good news for you. you. If you're working, if you're working, we guarantee you, again, uh, let's just say $15 an hour. Okay, great. Oh, but by the way, we're also going to allow the, your company to hire people in Mexico for $5 an hour. Wait, what? So that guaranteed $15 is only if I still have a job. Mm -hmm. But if you go to Mexico because it's $5 an hour, I have a guarantee of $15, but I don't have a job to get that guarantee. That's correct. So that doesn't, that doesn't do the work. It doesn't take rocket scientists to figure that out. Right. That's just common sense. Right. And this is the kind of thing that, you know, people need to think these things through. You heard the left all the time say, here's another great thing the minimum wage does. It puts more money in the economy. Well, no. That's actually a falsehood. You might think it's a good thing. There might be arguments in favor of it. That's not one of them. It doesn't put more money than not having a minimum wage because a minimum wage results in more production and therefore more money in the system. Again, just false claims being made by people who don't understand simple economics. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Everything you said is true. Let's go back to the supreme court yes sir and what was it that they did that had such an effect or is going to have an effect well as you look that up let me comment more generally on that the supreme court has luckily started to and it's with the conservatives to give teeth to the first amendment yes and it used to be that the first amendment had teeth when it came to the press that's what that was sort of the advent of the of the 70s courts the supreme court in the 70s they said well the press actually has a lot of power under the First Amendment. But when it came to citizens, nobody really addressed that. And now we're starting to see where the court is saying, you have an individual right to free speech, amongst other things. You have a right to petition the government. You have a right to religion. Uh, so there are many things in the First Amendment, uh, and there's a freedom of press. There are many things in the First Amendment, uh, and they apply to individuals in addition to the press. All right. So they say the first key ruling you got to consider on this and that uh let the people that you know are head of these uh colleges yeah. had better pay attention janice versus american federation of state county and municipal employees right which struck a direct blow to public employee unions by holding government workers don't have to pay certain fees to right. labor groups right but it included a free speech component exactly that could have a That's ripple effect on campuses most key. public universities require students to pay student activity fees. That's, That's right. been going on yeah. at least when I was in college. They did That's it. right. Which in some cases support lopsided politics. Uh, that's according to FIRE, a campus free That's speech right. legal group. The it's Supreme group. Court great group. had rejected a 2000 challenge to such fees, determining a school could require students to pay for the expression of views with which they disagree as long as the university doesn't engage in viewpoint discrimination when allocating funds. However... Janice more broadly prevents forcing one person to pay for someone else's political expression. Yeah, so the Janice case is a recent case that the Supreme Court, I believe, got right. And 
It used to be that if you were in a state that had unions, they could force you to join the union. And so their claim is this false claim, I believe, on economics, which is a free rider problem, which is the reason allegedly you have to pay taxes for the highways is we can't keep you off the highways. So you, if you don't pay taxes, then some people would pay for it and some people wouldn't pay for it. And that's not fair. So they say, well, if you work at a business or actually state government and you don't pay union fees, well, you benefit from the union contract, even though you didn't pay for it. First of all, uh, um, I'm happy or one could be happy. I don't know if I, I would join a union if we had a union, by the way. But the argument is correctly that I don't have to join a union if I don't think you're doing a good job at representing me. And That's if you right. mandate it, then what kind of – like if you mandate a shop at Walmart, you think the quality goes up or you think the quality goes down? It goes down because I don't have a choice. So they say we get your money no matter what. That's called the old-style DMV. It turns out the DMV in Arkansas is pretty good these days. But the old-style DMV was you walk in, they get paid no matter what. They go home at 445. You get lousy service. That was That is the same thing quite often with unions uh, in the public sector. Is they have automatic payment. So people were saying, I don't want to join the union. And if you think I'm benefiting from the contract, next time you negotiate the contract, say, this doesn't include Steinbuck. And Steinbuck can talk to you on, on his own. And by the way, if Steinbuck talked to you on his own to negotiate his own contract, he'd do better, not worse than the unions. I can tell you that right now. With that said, I'd join a union if we had a union. My father was a union representative. I'm not against unions. But don't tell me I must join a union. Because here's the other thing. Oh, they collect money and they give to democratic causes almost exclusively. And they say, oh, but that's not your union dues. It's other money. Uh, what? Money's money. Money's green. You take a dollar in, you ship a dollar out. You're telling me it's not my dollar? We don't look at the serial numbers of, of dollars. I do. No, right, I'm exactly. just kidding. Uh, that's because you're OCD. <laughs> right? uh, so this is the case is that People are being were being forced to basically support the left by join mandatorily joining unions, and the Supreme Court says you don't have to do that. If uh, 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 they can collect uh, um, um, from you if you want to join, and not collect from you if you don't want to join, that freedom of speech includes non-speech, meaning I don't have to sign on to support Hillary. That's a type of speech I don't want to have. And if you make me pay you, the union money, that you're going to be sending to Hillary, you're forcing me to sign on and speak in favor of Hillary. And I ain't going to do it. No, all right. we got to take a break. Final break for this hour. We have done 45 minutes, right? It's crazy. Robert, it's crazy. going too fast. Indeed. All right, we'll be back. We'll finish it up for you here on the Monday edition of the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, let's finish up. Uh, what's uh, been going on. I mean, I'd be remiss if I didn't say, because you turn on any cable news channel right now, you know that John McCain uh, passed away uh, in what was 81 years old and yeah. uh, uh, was a lifetime politician. Yeah. Uh, was a, and, and, and here's the key. I will agree with you that he's an American hero. Yeah. Uh, he, he was in a prisoner of war camp. That's right. He was mistreated. Uh, because he fought uh, for uh, the, what the American flag stands for, That's right. and I'm all about that. But as far as his political career, I'm not a John McCain lover yeah, at all. Fan. And I, right. I don't, I don't wish death on any, well, on my not. worst enemy. Of course, all right, uh, you know, or his dog. I, I right. don't wish death on him. But to, to ask me if I thought that he was one of the greatest politicians that ever lived, no. I mean, that's like all the people that when Teddy Kennedy died, right. talked about, 
he was the lion of the Senate. You know, yeah, he was the lion, L-Y-I-N, of the Senate. That's what he was. So, but, you know, I guess you're not supposed to speak ill of the dead. Right. And we were talking during the break that, that overall I have been a fan of John McCain. And, in fact, I sought to work on one of his campaigns when he was running for president and then as we were talking basically south carolina happened and he he was kicked out of the primary um uh, but i agree with you i was very displeased with his vote on obamacare yeah i mean i still got the taste of ashes in my mouth yeah because he didn't do that because he didn't believe in in obamacare or, or not believe in obamacare he did that because he wanted to get back at the president and he wanted to stand up and say, we didn't do it the proper way. Screw you on that one, McCain. Well, uh, you know, whatever his reasons for doing it, I thought and I continue to believe that the right move was to to undo Obamacare and then we could put into place uh, thereafter uh, other uh, laws to address certain concerns that we continue to have. Yeah. Now, the reverse could take place too, but it, it failed then in the Senate. Uh, and so the alternative then became let's get rid of Obamacare and then fix it. So it was, I think, a suboptimal option, but the only option left, and I would have undoubtedly. I would have pushed it. Yeah, pushed it. And so I was disappointed. I remain disappointed. Uh, that doesn't mean I am not a fan of his. I happen to be. Uh, I, I point that out. I don't say that reluctantly at all, just that we have a difference of opinion. That's fine. That's why we talk about First Amendment, because it's all about differences of opinion. But you know where. Right? He also lost me. Savings yeah. alone. And what in which we're going to savings alone? Oh yeah, what yes, his yes. whole involvement, and yes. in that I think yes. that because of who he was, he was able to avoid uh, political, well, criminally, a lot of things that happened to other people. Yeah, there was a lot of shady behavior. Going you on better at the time. believe yeah. there were a lot of shady. Yeah. But, but yeah. I digress again. I'll try not to speak ill of the dead and just say we did lose. Uh, a man, for the most part, who stood on his principles. Well, and he admitted, by the way, to his credit, he said, I didn't always stand on my principles, and I regret that. Uh, and albeit, maybe... And he was a man of faith. He was. He was. Um, and so uh, I think we would have had a very different country today had he won instead of Obama. <laughs> you know, I mean, needless to say. Duh. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, and so, look, the, the past is the past, and he didn't win. That's and as, right. as Obama said to him, I think somewhat rudely, um, uh, winning has consequences. And he said, oh, I'm w- well aware of that. And so Obama w- had a lot of hubris. He was, he was kind of very self-absorbed uh, and very proud of himself. Oh, and, sure he was. Right? And then now... Oh, basically, Donald Trump has been elected to undo so much of what Obama and did. And he has been doing Indeed, that. he's been doing but it. But we need to pass laws That's right. that will keep That's right. those things in place. That's exactly right. You know, exactly holding right. off on regulations and that's things right. of that nature. That's right. And so when when people say, oh, well, that's, you know, all Donald Trump wants to do is undo uh, Obama's actions. It may not be all, but it's part of it. And that's why he got elected. And so you have to realize when you take a, when you get a president who uh, sort of moves, tries to move the country so far to the left, all the while kind of downplaying how far he's pushing the country to the left and people realize what's happened. They're going to say, uh, that was not what we signed up for. And we elect someone like Donald Trump. And that's not a critique. We elect a good, uh, president in donald trump who is going to correct those errors yeah well here's the key 
you just said something very important that Obama said. Elections have consequences. consequences. In November, we'll be going back to the polls. And if you vote for a Democrat over, let's say, French Hill or over, you know, for Rick Crawford or whomever, if you vote for a Democrat, you're asking for Obama again. Yeah. Well, and let's make it clear to all of your listeners, Dave, who are, I have no doubt, overwhelmingly Republican or Republican sympathizing. You have to vote in this midterm because the Democrats are very energized to vote because they hate Trump so much. And the Republicans are a little bit less energized to vote because, well, President Trump's in office. French Hill's in doing office. good. He's doing good. French Hill is in office. And we figure, well, well nothing's going to change. I, you know, I can go to the supermarket instead of going to vote. You have have to vote. Every election is important, but the one the, the election immediately after a president wins the first time, because of course there can be a second time, is usually when things go bad, when things turn because the party that lost realizes all of a sudden they lost. Like Hillary, what? Huh? I lost? And so then they rush out to the polls when in this case, the Republicans are somewhat complacent because basically things are pretty good for the Republicans right now. We got to keep it that way. So please, please, if you're listening to Dave's show, remember, come November, go vote. Absolutely. Hey, tell you this, brother, but we're out of time. It's crazy. We're done. Crazy. We're done for another week. Indeed. Unless something happens during the week that I need to have you come in. Right, exactly. All right, we'll take a a break, and then the Dave Ellswick Show will return at 2 o'clock tomorrow. Don't forget, tomorrow is the power panel. They'll be on. The Bible guys are on at 5. If you've got a Bible guy question, you can send it to us at bibleguys at salemlr.com, or you can just call in 823-0965. Look forward to seeing you then. Have a great evening. Robert, thank you for coming in as you did. God bless, my friend. All right, we'll see you tomorrow. No, I had to go a little longer then. He's saying I need to go a little longer. We don't have enough. Yeah, I don't have enough. I, I, I got to go about another minute. Oh, that's hilarious. So you get one more 60. You get 60 seconds with me. I love it. A, a 60 seconds, and, <laughs> and, and we've used up all the good stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah, I didn't hold on. Oh, I heard a great joke today. I heard a great joke today. A police officer pulled over a car that was going 20 miles an hour out on the interstate. And uh, pulls it over. There's a little old lady driving, and there's three other little old ladies in the car. And he's talking to the little old lady. She says, why did you pull me over? He says, I was doing the speed limit. And he says, no, ma'am. You, you were going 20 miles an hour. She says, that's right. That's what the sign says on the side of the road. And he says, ma'am, that's the designator of the name of the, the, of the street. It's uh, Highway 20. And she, he looks around at all the, the other women, and they're like pale. Just for his ladies, you can relax now. I'm nothing's going to happen to her. And he says, "Oh no, that's not why they're looking that way, officer. Because we just got off of Highway 118." Exactly. <laughs> I, saw it. I saw it coming. That's funny. All right, got to take a break. Take care. All right, we'll see you tomorrow. Here you go. You guys all have an, a nice evening.